hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is balance exchange. All right. So let's, let's everybody, just... thanks for joining us here on another uh, another episode of a Balanced Exchange. Um, I'm Papa Bear, and this is Cronus. And this uh, episode, we're going to talk about racism, but specifically um, racism that kind of revolves around what happened yesterday. Um, today, we're speaking on January seventh, twenty twenty one, and there was uh, an insurrection attempt on the Capitol building. Uh, yesterday on January 6th, 2021. So I'm gonna we're gonna talk about what happened then, and then also how I perceived uh, the racist overtones that also occurred at that same time. So we're gonna it's gonna be more of an exchange than than usual on this episode. Yeah. So because we'll both we're both kind of going over this topic from a, a similar uh, I guess a, a balanced standpoint, like we'd say, that's the stuff is instead of it being a back and forth where you do one episode lead. Uh, this one kind of is going to start now, at least, at least a good part of it is definitely going to be uh, both of us kind of exploring how, how our, how our perception of what happened uh, went. Uh, so we'll take this opportunity to, to break away for a real quick, you know, public service announcement from me to make sure that uh, everybody understands where I'm sitting at and in regards to our topics as we cover them. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position i am not a public affairs officer for the marine corps i am in no way giving what the marine corps official position on anything would be and honestly a lot of the topics we're going to cover here i'm pretty sure the marine corps doesn't have a particular position on um so if you do have any questions about what the marine corps policy on certain things could be you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. So to, to add to that default statement for any of the stuff that we talk about on this particular topic, I, I really have to be careful about what I say, even as someone with a disclaimer out there um, as a Marine, I, I do have to not say certain things about this particular kind of topic. And it'll be pretty obvious uh, when I dodge them. And I think Cronus uh, is going to pick up on those pretty fast and, and, you know, fill in what needs to be filled in. So, um, I just can't, can't say certain things, especially certain words and certain things. So, um, yeah, that's, just, that's kind of 
to go on that. Yeah, and so the civilian audience that's listening to this understands uh, he's an active Marine. Uh, obviously, I'm not anymore. Um, but it, when you're in the Marine Corps, there are things that you you're, you cannot talk about if you're active, um, especially when it comes to um, sitting members of our government, especially the president. So we're going to... if. if if he tiptoes around stuff, don't think that he's doing it for some political gain or because he doesn't want to talk about it. He has a career in the Marine Corps, so and there's no reason for him to, to mess that up over a podcast. So I'm not going to call him out on anything like that because I understand. Because like I said, I'm a Marine too. I'm just not active anymore. Yeah, it, and I'll, I'll do my best to make sure I don't say it, but you understand where I'm sitting with it, so... Yeah. That's the best I could. That's the best I could do. Yeah. So uh, paint, paint the picture. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh we'll, we'll get into it. So the the reason why I, I kind of because originally this topic was supposed to be solely on racism and talking yes. about um things that have happened since slavery to African Americans and people of color in America, but because of what happened yesterday, it was such an egregious um amount of insanity that happened in America uh, that I really wanted to get uh, Papa Bear's thoughts from uh, somebody that knows way more about the government than I do on specific things that occurred, um, specific terms that, that have been used, and mm-hmm. the role of the government in all of this um, so we can break it down for, for the listeners and the viewers, and for me as well. Because there's a lot of, a lot of terms that I, I've, I've thrown out. You watched the podcast yesterday, I'm sure. Um, and... They might not be correct, but to me, like the definitions were correct for the vast majority of the stuff that I was talking about. But there were sort of uh, inflammatory statements. So, yeah. yeah, I was I was keeping notes on some of the words you used. I was like, oh, that's it. This is a good job. So I saw some 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 moments that that were I think prior to some of our other conversations, you would have maybe used a different term, and then we've talked a bit. And so you were like, oh, this is the the right way to frame that, and. Um, I, I was, there was a couple of moments I was definitely like, oh, I think, I think that was a product of some of our conversations. That was, yeah, that was good. Definitely. I mean, I try to like, I try to learn, even though I'm old, <laughs> you know, I try to learn as, uh, as much but, as so I can. That's one of the, as a father, right? That's one of my key examples I try to set is lifetime learning, right? Lifelong learning, never stop. There, there's, no, there's no reason to ever stop learning something new. Um, it can be a new you know, tool or a new system or a new thing. Cause I just started doing fusion 360 to build this arcade cabinet. Um, also, you know, working with tools that I haven't worked with before, but it's also knowledge stuff. So, I mean, I'm still getting college classes done. My son's going to college too. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You should always be striving for learning more. So I, I totally appreciate that. And that's the same thing I'm going for here too, is, you know, learning about things that maybe I don't know about. And I would appreciate you helping me get through that. All right. So this is why, this is why the podcast is what it's called. So we're both learning mm-hmm. from each other. Um, so let me, I'll paint the picture because this is what literally, I, I watched this happen live because yeah. I was I was sitting here, uh, work was pretty slow for me um, yesterday. And so um, my, my setup in my infinity base, my office, my podcast studio, whatever you want to call it, uh, basically what I'm looking at are like my two screens that I have are like my main computer and like to the mm-hmm. lower right, is my workstation for work and then to my f- kind of far further right is a tv like an actual tv yeah. and so i had on um on youtube on my computer i was watching the um i was watching congress specifically the senate 
do, do their the whole yeah the, do the whole certification and so i was yep. watching them speak and because I, I was wondering i was like which one of these people are going to object to the certification that's that's what i was wondering so i i saw ted cruz's dumbass come up and you know object ridiculously yeah. about it and then you know they went back and forth between democrat and republican democrat and republican and then all of a sudden this this one guy was i forget his name but he was speaking and i was listening to him speak and all of a sudden they cut him off and then they said that we have to um we have to stop the session and i forget the actual term they used it wasn't stop the session it's like what was it not reconvene say again take a recess yeah they had to take a recess but you could tell that something wasn't was wrong because they cut him off in the middle of his speech and they usually don't do that um because they they get their five minutes of fame right and um right when that happened it's semi it wasn't really chaos but you could tell something was wrong because people were kind of moving around with intent on like hey something wrong is going on here and then i was like what is going on here like why'd they stop this guy and they kept going, like, they kept the camera rolling, but nobody was speaking. People were just kind of, like, moving around, like, walking quickly. So I was like, I, I need to see what's going on. Maybe something's going on outside the Capitol building. Um, because I knew, I knew earlier in that day, President Trump had this uh, speech that got a lot of folks riled up. And he was using a lot of language that was going to, that could have incited, and well, it did, incite what happened. So I turn on the news, and I see all these... Uh, protesters at the Capitol building. And I was just like, first of all, why isn't this cordon off? And then I saw them uh, go up the steps and like get inside the, more inside the perimeter of the Capitol yeah. building. And I was like, something is very wrong here. Cause there's like, where, where are the police? Where's the national guard? Where's any sort of security here? And then like minutes later, they breached the building. And I was like, what? Like, how is that possible? This this should be one of the most secure buildings in America, and they got breached by, like, normal people? Like, they weren't even, like... They were just normal people. Like, they, they weren't coming in there with tanks or, you know, firearms that, that I saw anyway. They, they, they just came in there and just stormed the building, and it all seemed surreal because it seemed, it seemed like people weren't stopping them because i saw police kind of standing around and not stopping them so uh, how did you so, hear about this it was so it's one of those camp 22 i think i think knowing that there's a protest there should have been a different response but on a day-to-day -day basis have you ever had a chance to go to the capitol building no but i'm sure on a day-to-day -day basis it'd be a lot different it is and yeah. it's totally accessible like so we um we did a tour of, and it, we went to the House side because the Senate side was in session. The House was in a recess. So we did a tour, like, and get to walk in there. You just, like, walk up the steps, go in the main doors, meet the the aide of whatever representative you send an email to. Because you could write an email to your representative and say, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. Can you send me somebody? I would really love to see the congressional building. And if most representatives would be like, yeah, I'll send somebody out. And they send an aide out, and they just walk you around the building, take you, like, all the cool places. And uh, yeah, it's super simple. Any any citizen is totally allowed to access this building. They're supposed to be able to. Uh, it's it's our house, right? It is our place of of you know government, and so it, it's intended to be accessible. But I think, like you said, with with known and registered like planned protests, yeah. um, that there should have been some kind of a plan. Like, okay, well, you guys can be over there. We'll have security nearby. Just because the way pretty much any protest has gone in the last six months. Um, they've, they've started to get out of hand because the passions are high in the country right now, right? Everybody is very, um, you know, 
emotions are running high right now. And so it would have been a normal response, I think, to say, okay, well, we're going to have a larger security force there, but that didn't happen. So it was definitely, definitely surprising to see like the second balcony group of people too. Like they were yeah. like outside the room. Like, Did you just climb up it? Cause you can't just get there. Like that's yeah. not a, that's what, that's what I was see anything in between. I just see people on balcony. I was like, when did that happen? Where? Yeah, it was, it was astounding. You know, like I mentioned on the, you know, the other podcast that, you know, I was at an embassy for, for a little bit when I was in Djibouti mm-hmm. and there's no way that you would just, ha- if you had a mob of this, it was a mob of people. Okay. A mob of people just like storming it all at the same time. I, I was authorized to shoot people like seriously, <laughs> like, and I understand it's, a, it's in a, a different country. It's on foreign land, yeah. but I'm still protecting the building and those inside. And that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the job of the people protecting that building was to protect those inside. Because obviously mm-hmm. those people were not, uh, they didn't schedule a visit. <laughs> they, you know, they, they were there, uh, to do nefarious things. And, um, the fact that there was like no response to this, um, was just so odd to me. Like, it, it, I, I don't know. I had there, I had to put on sort of a tinfoil hat thing, but I don't know why there wasn't a National Guard response as soon as it was. Um, I watched a, a video of the governor of Maryland today, and he said that when he heard about this, so this is what's weird about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I understand at this point in time. Uh, usually when there's a National Guard response, a governor needs to invoke that, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is that there is no governor of Washington, D.C. because it's not a state. There's the mayor, and then you have to have, I think it's the Secretary of Defense um, that has to authorize uh, National Guard usage in Washington, D.C. So the governor of Maryland saw, he got calls from the people from Congress. And he was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to arm, you know, I'm going to get everybody ready. I'm going to send you our state police right now. And that's going to help a little bit, but it's only like 200 people, you know, I'm going to start mobilizing the national guard, but I need to get authorized to do that. And so he had a general, um, call up the secretary of defense multiple times and he could not, they kept denying the person to like, to authorize the national guard to get sent there. It, It took them an hour and a half to get the National Guard mobilized from Maryland. And I'm just like, there's literally our officials' lives are in, people's lives are in danger. It's not even just officials. Human lives are in danger, and we know this. And it takes you an hour and a half to respond to this. Like, Yeah, so, so the weird thing in that particular like sequence of events, too, is that we want that restriction in place, right? We do not want the state's to just be able to send in their yeah. their state level troops to the capital of the country at any point in time, um, because then you get to the point where it makes it a lot more. I wouldn't say likely, but it would seem like the opportunity for some kind of a military led coup yeah. with real military people would be a whole lot easier. Because if if you could just send in the national guard, you know, for any reason, just because any one of the bordering states, especially with the way DC is set up. Um, wanted to, that would cause issues. So they, they need to get like authority, like, Hey, I'm going to send in troops and you guys are okay with that. Right. Um, and like you said, maybe tinfoil hat type stuff, but like they're saying, Nope, like, Nope. Do not send people in here right now. This is, this is what we you know expect to happen. And this is okay by us or something. Cause if we are telling them, no, we don't need your help. Or maybe they feel like they've got it under control. 
that's the best way I could put it, I guess. Um, because you do have to think beyond this particular crisis. And, and that's the thing that the, you know, the founding fathers did really well was think really long-term. And I think many of our sitting, you know, uh, legislators don't, right. They, like they don't think beyond this particular moment and what people are asking for and what it seems like the mob wants. So it, it's really hard to, to, I wouldn't be surprised if someone doesn't present some kind of a bill to say we should remove that requirement, have to contact the Secretary of Defense to bring in the National Guard. And then because they're thinking about this thing and what this looks like and they want to make a public message and, and make it seem like they're doing something important, right? Yeah, but you're you're potentially risking yeah. the next president or the next Congress um, for of having full-on military forces with tanks and with jets able to just access the Capitol at any time. And no one's talking about that. Like those are the things that it's like, you have to close down this topic and say what else could happen. Um, and, and if those, what ifs aren't worth the risk here, you have to say it's, this is still a system that's okay. Um, I think in this case it is, but um, maybe there needed to be, maybe there needs to be another person you could call. Like if you call that one person who was like, Nope, I know this was a thing and I'm okay with it. Be like, well, I'm going to call the other person who's also authorized to make this call yeah. um, because you've been compromised. Maybe, you know, um, anything that's up to only one person ever uh, kind of always makes me nervous. Yeah, I don't like, especially being a data storage guy, like no redundancy like makes me, it make, it, it drives me insane. <laughs> Having no redundancy, I'm just like, come on, guys. Um, but yeah. I, I think uh, one of the solutions to, to that particular scenario is that I think that we need to make Washington, D.C. a state. Um, I don't know why it's not a state at this point in time. The, the, yeah, the 50 number is nice and round. If you're an OCD person, it's cool. But we, we, we need to make the mistake. Same thing with Guam and uh, Puerto Rico, if they want it. And I think that if they want to become, if they want statehood, then let's grind it to them. It, it would eliminate at least that that small issue. On so some level. my thing on statehood, right, is that there's nothing that stops any of those places from becoming a state. They just need to write their own, like they have their own legislatures. They elect their own, like, even if they're territories or like it is with DC, it's a district. It has its own governing body. That governing body establishes a constitution, makes themselves and, and says, I've met all the requirements to become a state and puts that to the Congress. That's all you have to do. But it's no one ever wants to do that work. <laughs> well, if that's the only thing that's stopping it, then yeah, that's, that seems incredibly silly to me. Um, yeah. Just... It, it, the problem is, is it means getting people to agree to something. And even in Guam, um, so did you know that you know there's a new Marine Corps base being built on Guam? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've been to Guam. So they they are naming it um, Camp Blaz after uh, a Marine Corps general who was from Guam, and um, he 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 spent all of his time after his Marine Corps career trying to he he was one of the like senatorial and congressional representatives from Guam because they don't get to vote but they get to be in Congress. Yeah. Um, he he spent a lot of his time afterwards in those seats and trying to convince the citizens of Guam, like, look, these are the things we need to do. We need to get everybody on board. And they're like, why? We have the protection and we don't have all the other stuff that goes along with it. Um, I think if anybody would, Guam would be the closest, but yeah, most of them just aren't interested in all the extra stuff that comes along with it. Mm. Yeah. That, uh, well, that sucks. Cause I mean, yeah, not that, that one simple protection could have like saved a whole lot of time, um, for yeah. Washington DC. And I heard that there is, uh, somebody in the house that's going to put up a bill for it. But if, if what you said is true, then 
they have to do it themselves, which I think that hopefully the mayor will be more open to, and maybe the, hopefully the citizens as well. Um, yeah. I, I know that, what is it, the chief of police stepped down um, from D.C. because uh, I don't... So, like, I, didn't do a good job responding, or? Well, I I know they didn't do a good enough job responding. I mean, there's I, there's video that you can watch of police officers taking selfies with these terrorists. I, I call them terrorists because they were doing terrorist shit. So, and there was also videos of those same police officers uh, in the same group. They were they opened up the the barricades to let these people in, um, these terrorists. Well, in. I mean, so. So using the term, right? So if we're using the term terrorist, like, so what is the definition of terrorism? You did one of those dumb freaking classes at one point, right? <laughs> yeah, I, had to, I got to pull it up again, but uh, give me one second. Cause I, right, I had so to... it's, it's, it's taking actions. It's a group generally, if you want to define the group or the actions that they take, right? It's, it's some kind of violence or some kind of coercion or some kind of other actions taken in order to achieve some kind of political, religious, or yep. social objectives, right? Yep. So it's definitely a political objective that they had. Yeah. Um, and when you bring pipe bombs and when you, uh, there was, there was a case of Molotov cocktails found. Yep. They left um, notes to instill fear. <laughs> so like when you do those things towards your political goals, I would, I would agree that that's probably a pretty accurate description of those actions and those people. So, um, cause if, if showing up to it, like, and, and it's a government building, right? So that generally right then starts tying it to like, well, you have an objective there. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's an incorrect usage of the word. I'm glad you said that. I mean, I looked it up, you know, because I had to remember it. <laughs> yeah. So I had to look it up and I was just like, these these fit the uh, the, the definition of, especially the FBI definition of terrorism. It, it fits all these, most of the things pretty much to yeah. the T. And people got, people were unhappy with me when I said that, but I'm like, listen, just because they're American citizens does not mean that they are not terrorists. All right, there's right. domestic terrorism. That there's a reason why that word exists. That yeah. applies to the, to that group of people. It really does. Timothy McVeigh. Um, I mean, there's there's yeah. several in the last twenty years that you could look up pretty easily. That, so. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, that the people that were there on site, the police officers, and you know whoever else was there they did not treat this as a terrorist threat at all because, and this is where we get into racism is because most of the people that were doing this shit were white people. And I don't like saying that. I keep, I, and it makes people uncomfortable. Let me ask you when I say that, how does it make you feel? Um, fine. Like, so I've, I've come to Be a better totally understanding honest. of it okay. over the last year or so. Right. Okay. And I think we talked a little bit about it. Um, so partly, and I made a kind of a joke in the, in the chat last night. I was like, well, I'll just identify with my native American uh, you know, heritage and be like, all oh, y'all are supposed to be here. But, um, um, it's, it's like any other lumping or, you know, stereotypes of anything is as long as you don't identify with the context then it's not going to bother me. Right? So when you say it's like, oh, they're all white people. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not that white guy. Like I'm not that person. So I don't have to worry about that. Cause I know you're not talking about me. And I know that a lot of people are comfortable with that. And maybe, maybe we're more comfortable with it. Cause being Marines, we're like, you just get used to that. We're all equally worthless. Right. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you get used to that concept of like, that's not really what we're talking about. So when you be like, 
Hey, listen up, shithead. You're like, well, you're not talking to me. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, it doesn't bother me, but I think also like I've come to grips with some of the, the terms that around it that I didn't understand. And I think I took what happens first to a lot of us, which is I took the emotional response to it, which is where I wanted to make sure we, we clearly talked about terrorism. Cause I think when we say the behavior of terrorists, that might have been emotional responses for some people immediately to say that. Right. But like, if we look at the definitions and say this, this, and this, and this, it fits those definitions. We're using words. Like we're being smart about it. We're saying this is really the real definition. It's not about like fighting one side against the other or being emotional. It's just saying like, this is literally what it was. Um, so for me, learning some of that stuff helped. Um, Cause I think before I did get upset a lot of times when it was used in, in maybe a derogatory way, but um doesn't bother me anymore well i'm i'm glad and i'm, I'm glad you're you're honest about it because i don't when, when i say those things so, you know i had a, a conversation with a, another friend of mine earlier today uh, he was also marine he was a tanker um he actually he joined the marine corps i have a, fu- a couple of funny stories about him but i'm not gonna tell him on the podcast but uh he was he joined the marine corps a couple months before i joined the marine corps mm-hmm. and he's a of mexican descent pretty sure he's mexican it didn't really matter to me when we were growing up. He's a cool dude. Um, he was like, you know, he liked what I said on the podcast. He's like, you know, just be careful of like not lumping in everybody, you know, in the same group. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to be super careful about doing that. What me saying that it's mostly white people, it, it makes me cringe internally just saying that. Yeah. Because I don't want to be like, the same racist people that I'm identifying, you know, I, I don't want to lump them. I don't want to be like, Oh, well, they're all the same. So I know, uh, they're not all the same. I totally get that. But I also cannot ignore the fact that the, the difference of response of people that were fighting for civil rights, uh, for Brown people and the people that were, um, using terrorist tactics to overthrow our government that had a different skin tone. Okay. I cannot ignore that. Um, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me feel, and if if it makes you feel uncomfortable, if you're listening to this podcast and you're and you're Caucasian, um, I I don't want to apologize, but I understand like yeah. your trepidation and that it makes you feel uncomfortable. I I'm just gonna say I recognize it, and <clears throat> just understand that it makes me uncomfortable as well. So I hope that helps a little. So I think part of it, um, and we'll get into some of the, you know, the definitions and the real concepts and the things that tie all of these things together. Because like you said, we're going to get pretty deep, I think, into um, concepts associated to racism, especially in the United States, um, as we go through the rest of the podcast. But I will say, like, as you mentioned, if if you are, you know, Caucasian or if you are one of the people maybe identifying with any of the things said that's with white people looking at something this way, or if you something said about white people and it makes you uncomfortable. If, if the context in which that word was used makes you uncomfortable, then either you need to look at yourself and think, am I, do I think that way? Is that why I identify with what it is he's saying and it's making me feel uncomfortable? Or maybe we just need to cover the topic better because maybe we're not providing you with enough information to understand and not feel so uncomfortable about what it is we're saying because the reality of things is that there are these differences and there are these perceptions that people have whether they think they do or don't Um, and that's the difference in it i think is awareness of your inability to recognize your own 
perceptions. So. Yeah, and to be totally honest with you, um, I had to go through like this whole journey last year of like really understanding racism, and this is coming from a fucking black guy. <laughs> like, and the the problem. This is what I realized about going through this whole thing, right? Is before I was, it wasn't that I was indifferent. Is I didn't understand the the signs and the pervasiveness of like first of all the white supremacy in the United States and then second of all how um it affects all the vast majority of people of color um and the reason why I didn't really recognize a lot of it is because I'm a successful African American guy you know I make a good amount of money um I Previously, I thought that, you know, I didn't meet that much racism in my normal life. But then going back on, like, a whole lot of stuff, like, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I did. I just I just kind of left it to the wayside. I was like, whatever. I'm so successful. I'm going to do my thing. I'll let it roll off my back. But what I, what I, what I realized that made me um, really uncomfortable, like, brought me to tears, is, like, Letting shit like that roll off my back, what if that happened to like somebody like my daughter, you know, or somebody else that it does not have the resources that I have, and that's when it was like, okay, this is a problem. And then once I also realized that um, one of the main things about racism in America, especially, is the fact that I didn't have any sort of wealth in my family. Like at all. Mm-hmm. And I understand, okay, somebody's gonna get mad already. Yeah, I understand if you you know, if you're white, there's a good chance that neither did your family. You know, you might not have had those things. Like I totally get that. But the fact that by federal law, my family could not gain wealth. And when they did gain wealth, the state and federal government punished those and killed them through multiple there's multiple um incidences like if you want to look up uh what happened in oklahoma when they um they literally bombed a city a a black city in oklahoma you know because they had too much wealth and they they bombed it and they looted them because this black community came together they were like all right we're gonna just make our own wealth and we're not gonna use you know um help from white people that's basically what the thing was and they killed the vast majority of the people that lived there. They looted all their shit and they fucking burned the city to the ground. And that wasn't the only, the only scenario, the only city. So like the initial concept that you describe of like going in on your own and setting up your own space just made me think like, have you read Atlas Shrugged? No, but I keep hearing about it. It's Anne Rand, right? right? So like yeah. it made me think 100% of that. Like, and it's not by many perceived to be a bad thing. A lot of people have issues with it from it being a very like, elitist um the uh, what's it called uh, capitalism side but but then realistically a lot of it functions in the like communist side too it's, it's really weird so there's a lot of people who aren't, don't like it because but on both sides which is really funny um so that generally tells you it's probably good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that, that initial concept but and to me i'm like that sounds great that sounds like a group of people saying look we we just want to do it on our own and if you can that means You've recruited the right kind of people. You've educated them. You've established all your own stuff. I don't have an issue with that. So I, I'd have to look it up. I don't know this historical incident. So 
Um, I'll, I'll look it up. I think it's. But, I'm pretty sure. I want to say Greenwood. Um, hold on, Green. Uh, yeah, if you look up, actually, did you watch? Uh, Jesus Christ, it came on last year. Um, Watchmen. No, like the the TV show. <laughs> okay, that's all. It's okay. So watch the uh, Watchmen the TV show, and there was another one even before that. Was it Watchmen? Yeah, it was Watchmen. So in the very beginning, sorry, it was I think it was Tulsa. Yeah, it was in Tulsa. But it, the, yeah, so the Greenwood area yeah. of Tulsa. Yeah. So if Black you watch if you watch the very beginning of mm-hmm. uh, Watchmen, the the TV show the on, on HBO, it starts with a Tulsa massacre, and so I'm sitting there. And I'm watching it with with uh, with my girlfriend, which is our anniversary, by the way. It's our ten year anniversary day. <laughs> but well, well, because she said she's gonna work tonight, so you know, I was like, all right, well, you gonna work, and now she doesn't have to work, so now she's gonna talk to her her, uh, her girlfriends, which is fine. Anyway, so we're watching this, and yeah. my girlfriend's sitting there. She's like, damn, this is pretty messed up. I was like, you know, this is real, right? And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, this this really happened. And she's like are you serious? I'm like, yeah, this really happened. And she had, she had to look it up. She's like, Oh my, she was horrified. Like yeah. she had, and I think most, um, Americans are totally unaware of that. It's totally secret history here in America of mm-hmm. like super racist shit that really, um, stopped the progress of Brown people, especially black people. Um, and I think what most people don't seem to understand is like, they're like, Oh, well, you know, Mexicans and what. Well, not even Mex- Mexicans are are people of Latino descent. They are very close to like where black people are at in America. But if you look at Asians, people are like, well, why don't Asians have the same sort of problems? Well, look in major cities in America. You ever notice how there's a Chinatown or a Japantown or whatever fucking kind of town? You notice how they're still there and they didn't get bombed? Like... <laughs> We yeah. try to do the same thing, and when we try to do the same thing by keeping, you know, our own community together and, like, keeping our money to ourselves, we mm-hmm. got severely punished for it. And that's why you see, you know, other ethnic groups in America, the way that they, they've come together and they've succeeded um, is because of that. It's because they, they weren't killed for just trying to, to keep their communities together. And they also did not have their... Uh, their ethnic background stolen. Like I, well, our whole history has been stolen. Uh, when mm. I say our, I mean people of African descent here in America. They systematically stripped our history from us through the generations. Um, yeah. It came close with Native uh, Americans as well. They had to go to these same bullshit schools that stripped them of their heritage. But they still got to keep part of their heritage. I understand that it's unfortunate that it's on... Um, you know, certain grounds, but we didn't get those grounds. We just got everything stripped away and we we were left with no history of ourselves. And that's why we're kind of like a a lost people because we're they replaced our history with this American history, but the American history is history full of people suppressing us. I mean and even even American history that's taught to us in school is a very specific American history that is, you know, um a cartoon version of itself to make sure that yeah. we are patriotic and feel pride in ourselves. And we see where that's getting us. Um, but Ooh, we'll get into that in a minute, but yeah, <laughs> I figured that was a good way. but like, 
for me, part of it, right, is that occurred in 1921, the one we were just talking about. So to, to the people in school right now, like my son just went off to college, right? When you and I were in like high school, was so long ago, they don't care about anything that happened in those days, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's like, ancient history. So events that happened in 1921, they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so unless it is specifically relevant to them, um, it, it doesn't come up, right? So it's not going to be a topic. So like, if you were taught about that when you were younger, it was because for someone else, they thought that was important to teach you about. Where for me, like I, I never learned about it because no one's going to teach me that. Yeah. Right. No one's going to tell me about this, this incident that would make them and me look bad potentially. Right. That's the way people are going to look at it. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't deputize those people and give them weapons, but it's still, if, if we never talk about it and we never say anything, and I think this is where we get to some of the other stuff on general racism is that if those were white people that did that and and provided those weapons and did those things, because they were the people who were in power at the time. And then they did those bad things to black people. Then both sides can just look at each other and say that all people associated to those groups are that way. And that's, that's where, where the the whole concept gets everybody into trouble too, right? It's like, I'm not any of those people and I wouldn't have done and, and definitely didn't do any of those things, but I'll be looked at that way. Like maybe I participated in that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and well, no. that's, that's where I try to like, I try yeah. to tread carefully when I talk about these things, that's why I said, like, it makes me uncomfortable to talk, to even just say, you know, what I said before about white people being the, yeah. the majority of people that did that. Cause I don't want to lump everybody in together. Cause I understand that not everybody is like that. Um, but it's just like, you weren't, you weren't all there, right? Yeah. All white people in the country weren't there and not everyone probably was, but like you said, if you just look at the crowd, you're like, look at that. That looks like mostly it's all white people. Yeah, and the, and I think that's the problem. And I think that most white people have a, a difficult time really understanding is that this is another thing that, that was a relevant uh, revelation to me, especially as I started gaining more and more uh, money and wealth or whatever, is that I, I would come to places um, where I'd be the only... It's, it's very frequent, even in California, where I'll be the only black dude where I'm at. And it's just like, some I'll get like weird looks, like, are you supposed to be here? If I was white, nobody would ever look at me like, are you supposed to be here? Like, it wouldn't happen. They, w- they would assume that I have what whatever I needed to be there, you know, yeah. but... And like, and you didn't... Uh, well, I mean, maybe. But it, I think there was a comment, too, on it. It was like, if it had been a crowd of... And this is, I think, where we get to the, where this is how the two topics kind of come together is if there had been a crowd of black people at the, the and they had gotten to the positions that those people did, people, more people would have got shot. Oh yeah. I mean, hundred percent. If I was coming yesterday, I was like, I can't disagree with you with the way things are looking. And that was something my wife said was like, maybe that's part of why the police like hesitated or slowed down was like, they are getting beat up right now. So every action they take is under such scrutiny. Maybe they're like, I'm going to wait until this is out of hand. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, no, because, be, no, because I, people, people are still, yeah. black people are still getting shot for bullshit yeah. in America, right? You know, even after all the stuff that happened last year, we, we still get, we still see videos of people getting shot, like with, uh, God damn, the guy that got shot um, last year in the back for going to his car. Um, he got mm-hmm. shot seven times in the back. And the officer yeah. they got, uh, they fired him, but no charges against the guy. No charges against this the guy who shot a man in the back 
for going to his car. And he had his hands on him. And it's just like, I don't understand why you couldn't, like, physically try to restrain him at first. Yeah, like, there were, there were a dozen other things that could, yeah. that one, that one was really bad. That, and then and there's, like you said, and there's, there's not, that's no, there's not only these two stories. There's, no, there's yeah. a dozen, there's 30 stories. There's, it, for every, for every, you know, every one of those, there's, there's, a dozen people who's very closely and very tragically, you know, impacted by that. And we all look and like the crowds are watching now at this point and we all feel, feel things about it, but there is someone whose life was devastated by that. And, and it, it's not even just one person. It's, it's an entire family. You know what I mean? It's not, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Like yeah. dozens, dozens of people probably who now whole life changed and, that is lost to so many people that it's sad. And that's, I think to me, the part that's, that's to me, the, the really hard part of these conversations is that it, there's a, on a certain level, right? There's, there's an ability for people. And I think we talked about it, the numbers thing, right? The 250 or whatever. Yeah. As soon as people are outside of that, that group of close connections, it's really easy for humans and it's really weird psychological thing that happens where like you have a whole hell of a lot less concern about their life. Like, Hey, look, that doesn't necessarily directly impact me daily. Like we said about the history stuff, it it starts becoming not as big of a deal. We get callous to it. Um, And so it's impossible for one thing for us to actually be able to feel as close to that incident as anybody who's actually directly connected to them. Yeah. But I think with the interconnected nature of the world today, it's we're getting a lot closer to it. Like I've never felt so like devastated by someone in Chicago getting shot. I was like, I have no idea who this person is, but this is terrible. Just watching it. You're like, how, how the hell is this? Okay. Yeah. It's just, and it, the fact that it keeps happening even after everything had happened, it's just like, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, I was going to have like when all this Civil unrest first happened after George Floyd uh, yeah. got murdered on TV. I was going to have one of my really good friends. I still consider him a good friend, but um, we haven't been talking lately. And I was going to have him on the podcast. He's, he's a sheriff um, mm-hmm. here in, Cal- in Alameda County. And I, w- I wanted to have him on the podcast. He's actually, I met him through doing jujitsu. Um, I mm-hmm. know he knows how to physically restrain somebody and how to, how to not use the gun first. All right good dude and after the george floyd thing happened you know i invited him i was like hey you know let's i invited him and another sfpd officer to come on the sfpd guy was like no i was like that's fine um but you know my, my other buddy he's like yeah let, let's do it and then um if you listen to this mr x you know who you are the reason why i haven't done the podcast with you is not because of you the reason why i didn't do it is because my problem is not with you um, cause I, I wasn't going to have you on the podcast to like berate you or cause I, I love you, man. I hope you know that I, I'm sorry that circumstances have been unfortunate over, you know, like I miss you like seriously. But the problem that I realized after over time was the problem is the system. It wasn't with him and it wasn't with police officers. It's the system that enables them to do what they do and to, that allows them to murder people or to abuse them and to suppress them 
and to have zero consequences. And to me to have a conversation with him, I don't know how productive it would be um, because I'm angry about things that are outside of his control. All right. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I don't want to um, deny this guy a job. That, that's his job. Like that's what he does for a living. But at the same time, I do not support the system that he, that employs him. I also don't support um, the system that I used to get employed by, which was being a military contractor. I don't support that at all. However, if I got fired tomorrow, guess what I would likely do? Be a contractor again. Like, like if worst came to worst, you know, if I, if I can't find another job, I know I can always do that. And so I, so I get it, but the, the problem, it's, it's the system and the system is designed to keep people that look like me suppressed and in jail. And well, so I, when we talk of things like this, this is one of the things I always try to do is, and I don't know if you were planning for this or expecting this, but I'm, I'll apologize if not, and we can table it for another day. But like, what are your ideas that you have to fix it? Right? Like what are some changes we can make um, to try to, yeah. And it might be, maybe it's too loaded of a question. But no, 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 it's okay. I have, and I've talked to others too, but I'm, I'm more curious, like kind of what, what things you could see that like at a system level, right. Could change and fix these kinds of things. I, uh, I have a few ideas to be honest with you. I mean, the, the first, the, the major one um, to me would be to, uh, to get rid of the, the war on drugs. I mean, that has yeah. done a significant amount of harm to mainly um, yeah. Brown people, people, people of color. Um, so it, did you see, um, you saw what Oregon passed yes. this year. And people, like that. yeah, and, and people were like making fun of them for doing that. I'm like, why? Why are you making fun of them for doing that? Like, I don't care what you do as a consenting adult in your own home. I don't. I really don't. Um, if you want to get high all day, you know, or get high, I, I'm drinking alcohol literally on this podcast right now. Yep. This is a drug. I'm doing. Yes. I, I drink almost every day. You know. It. it yeah. So like, my my brother lives in Oregon. And so when it happened and he's, he's very, and I, I'm, when I say conservative, I don't mean Republican. I mean, he is like morally conservative, no drinking, no smoking, no anything. Right. So to him, that was like, just letting the demons out. Like, what are you doing? Why are you letting those people do that? I was like, no one's saying anyone has to. All we're saying is I don't care if you choose to yeah. so long as that choice isn't endangering anyone else. Yes. So and we have lost for that. Point, he was like, do so you think it's okay? If like some some mother is sitting at home shooting up heroin on the couch while her kids are sitting on the and watching TV on the no, no. because now that's child endangerment. Yep. That itself is a crime. That is it. Because of the other thing, you've now caused this thing, which is a crime, right? If you operate a vehicle, not okay. It's still driving under the influence. Still should be punished for it. So, but you would not be punished for the drugs part of it. You would be punished for the endangering other people's lives and. That's that's where I'm like now the way they're dealing with it in Oregon too is you're not gonna just be like let me have that stuff go home like you're you're gonna get registered you're gonna go to to classes you're gonna be seeking you're gonna be provided like counseling and support to try to help you understand the choices you're making because maybe people make those choices without understanding yeah. maybe get into a rehab program and get past whatever it is get beyond the demons their disease that they have their addiction. Um, maybe help them rather than just throw them in prison. And so I was like, I was astounded. I did not even know that was on Oregon's ballot when it passed. And I was, I was, I was, this was amazing. I was like shocked. I had to go read the whole thing immediately. I was like, wow. 
we are in a one hundred percent agreement. I, I used literally the exact same argument when somebody was like, "Well, what if they do this?" I'm like, "We have laws that cover that. Why are we doubling? Mm-hmm. Why are we having extra laws?" Like, yeah. I mean, come on, like seriously. Um, and I think that what most people don't seem to realize, um, especially people on the right, is that they don't realize that the vast majority of people that are in jail are there for nonviolent crimes. They're there <laughs> for drug crime. Most people are there for drug crimes. What? And they should not be in there. And this this is what it, it's going to loop back around to, to, to racism because um, you might know this, but what is the only way that you can become a slave in America today? Through the prison system, and then you become enforced labor by going and doing work as a working party for basically as a brainwork. It's li- through the fuel system. So it's, it's literally I, I will, an, it's literally an amendment, and it's the, it, the same amendment that freed the slaves is the amendment that says that you can still be a slave if you're incarcerated, and it's a thirteenth because you're no longer considered to be like a citizen. You don't get the rights of anybody else. You don't get uh, yeah. So you lose all that stuff. Uh, once you're a felon, right? So it's a felony crime, and you go to prison specifically. Yeah, um, I will. I will ask a little bit for. So it, it's it's more of a class distinction sort of thing, but that significantly impacts people who are not white more than than white people. But if if you were to go look at it, it would look the op like a very big flip flop of the way most of our society does of for who's in prison. But there's still plenty of poor white people in there too and it's generally the poor who are getting hit with it harder and i think we it's easier right and this is part of what comes to that cultural remember i told you it was like there's this very big social um social studies like concept where it's like there always has to be an us versus them and that's the only way you can motivate people yep and that it's a whole lot easier to do it in a way where you're like well i can just look at those people and see that they're different so let's just say that it's them versus us. So the, the the dialogue gets driven that way where we say that it's it's colored people versus white people or whatever. And and but we then lose the focus. What probably really is the focus was just more of a class thing. It's like keep the poor people poor. And if we can push the group that we want to say, look at them, that they're different than us into that group as much as possible, then cool. Because then you keep the money concentrated and keeps all the wealth in one group of people's hands. Yes, but there is. I'll make. Um, I will add a little bit to this. Yeah. And the reason why, like, so obviously, if if you look at statistically, um, mm-hmm. who uses more or less drugs? Um, it's actually more people that are white. They use drugs. They use drugs more than people that are of color. That's statistically. Just think about going to high school. Wherever you went to high school, anybody here in America. Any, everybody that you knew probably did drugs, right? Was it something? Was it all black people? Was it no white people? Like it was yeah. all of us. And if you're in America, if you if you if you're gonna say everybody or at least the vast majority of the people that you went to high school with did drugs, America is mostly Caucasian. So that right there will tell you that if you look at statistics, that they are doing the most drugs. All right, that's just statistically speaking. Um, and it and it's actually if you look up the actual stats that's it's true, uh, but the problem is is where the police choose to um, actually crack enforce. down on these yeah to enforce the laws. They're yeah. not enforcing the laws in Beverly Hills. They're not enforcing drug laws in Beverly Hills. They're not. They're enforcing them in like Crenshaw or, um, you know, East LA and other places because they know mm-hmm. there's reasons why I do this. 
The reasons why they do this is because they know that the people that are in poor uh, places, that if they happen to catch them, do, or even just not even doing a crime, if they put them in jail for any crime, whether or not they did it or not, the likelihood of them um, having the funds yeah, to combat just... that is very low. If they went to Beverly Hills, it's a twofold problem. First of all, they have the funds to um, actually get out of doing the, you know, being prosecuted. And second of all, the other problem is that you might run into somebody that has political power or any sort of power that's in that city. In a poor neighborhood, no likelihood of somebody having any sort of power is very low. And so that's why they do this. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think we're in, in, you know, aggressive agreement here (laughs) where, where it's like, it, it is about it being the poor neighborhoods, but what we've managed to do is make the poor neighborhoods primarily black neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. We've, we've said this area and then force everybody to live there. Um, and then also, right. Gerrymandered the districts so that they, they don't get represented properly. Yeah. When you say like, you know, black neighborhoods, um, this is the black neighborhood thing. That's all by design. I, I talked about it. I think on the previous podcast, what's about, did I talk about it? Redlining. Mm-hmm. Did I talk to you about that? Yeah, it's like basically we had to live um, in certain places. Like they, we literally could not live in the suburbs. We had to live in these certain areas that were near industrial areas um, that were um, they had poor construction. They were very cheap, and they were near in, near industrial sites and uh, toxic waste dumps. And so, if you look at every ghetto, like if you look up um, redlining maps in like any major city, you'll see it, and you'll see how there's still ghettos to this day because. People, they move there and because that's the only place they could move in the past, you know, after slavery. And there are places where those, most people's wealth in America, the wealth comes from their home. Well, if you're forced to move into a red line district, you're, gonna, you're living in a ghetto, all right? And so you, you can't sell your home. Your home is worth nothing. You have no wealth. That's, that's a basic wealth for most Americans, is owning a home. And in a ghetto, in a red line district, your home doesn't mean shit. Right. And so that... And that what's up? And you probably don't own it anyways. Yeah, you probably don't own it. It's it's probably through a um, a, a, a landlord or whatever. Sorry, I, I own my home. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm paying on my home. Aggressively paying on it. Yeah. But on good notes, we actually... Our, ours is up. We've only been here six months. We've put a lot of work in, though. Um, and we're already just over six months. We're up 18%. So Nice. Very nice. $7,000. But just oh, explaining like owning a home to like people in the ghetto. Hey, they're just like, what are you even fucking talking about? Like the, yeah. it's usually like section eight housing, you know, there's lots of, so, I mean, there are lots of like cultural things that happen that cause people to not understand what their rights are in the United States too. So I was talking to Enrique, right. And, uh, he talked about he has family members, plenty of family members, who like freak out that he owns guns, because they're like only two people own guns: yeah. cops own guns and drug drug lords and drug dealers own guns. He's like, so what are you doing? And he's like, no, you can buy a gun. Any of us can have guns. It is completely within your rights for any citizen to have a gun. And they're like, no, it can't be. It's like he's like, what are you talking about? Dude, this hold on, this is so hilarious because they're literally talking to a fucking U.S. Marine about how you can't own guns. Like this is how insidious. This 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 issue is is that it's somebody that defends the country with a gun, and they are concerned about him owning a gun. 
<laughs> and he did say it, but partway through the conversation, they're like, "Oh, well, I guess it's okay for you two because you're a Marine." He's like, "No, yeah, everybody, yeah, <laughs> you have one too. Like, it's it's okay." They just were not. He's like, "But that was because that's kind of how they were taught. That's what they were taught their whole life was the only two people who have guns are drug dealers and the cops. And that's why people shoot each other is because drug dealers and cops." He's like, "You can have one to defend your home, so that they neither of them can impact that." So it was. That's what I'm saying. So I just was trying to highlight like. So many things can happen where we just aren't educating enough about even what our basic rights are in the United States, too. So, yeah, that, that whole rights thing. It, like, I, I talked about this actually years ago when President Trump first got elected. Um, actually, no, I'll rewind even before that because this is uh, so I can criticize someone that's not President Trump to begin with. Um, back when uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, when he started doing these executive orders, he started doing kind of a lot of them, and then he did the one for, and he started pushing through the Affordable Health Care Act. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the one that got me was he cha- he was he was changing gun laws through executive orders. Uh, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. what he was trying to do. But it was, yeah, there were, it was it was a token effort, but he still did an executive order on, to try to curb uh, gun violence in America. And so all my friends on the left were like, oh, yeah, this is fucking great. He's the greatest president ever. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't vote for the guy. Um, I, and I still, I, I think he's a decent dude, but I didn't like his policies. So mm-hmm. I literally wrote up a, on Facebook. I was like, yeah, if you're, um, if you're happy that our president did an executive order to try to curtail gun laws in America, I, I, I guess that's okay. But please be aware that in the future, the next guy, because the pendulum is going to swing, the next guy that comes into office, when he starts willing the same power that he had, is going to do something you don't like. And just remember mm-hmm. what happened today. And it literally happened with this guy, with, with Trump. I'm not even going to fucking call him president anymore because he's not a president. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You have to call him the president. I fucking don't. <laughs> I was surprised you used it twice so far. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, what he did. It's going to make me infuriated again. But it's like, yeah. he he will do the same. They need to re- reduce the amount of power that a president has. Because they kept, since, actually not even since Bush, probably even before that. It probably started with, like, Reagan. Like, kind of overreaching a little bit. Then it overreached so, more. I've, I've always felt the same that it's, like, getting worse. But I, I had to look. I was like, you know, I'm just going to look up the numbers real quick. And so... um no one these days has anywhere near the most. Um, so current current president two hundred four, uh, President Obama two seventy six. But that's that's two terms, right? Not well, one. Well, so, I, I think it's actually it, it's not just the amount of executive uh, orders that they're doing. What they? It's what yeah, yeah. It's what are they? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to know who has the most? Uh, Can you get? Uh, Who basically built the federal government the way it is right now? Uh, maybe FDR. I don't know. FDR. Yeah. Three thousand hundred twenty-one. Yeah, but it was. Zero. It was different. I mean, let's be honest. Though. It was a different time back then, where like a lot of shit had to get changed. You know. Yeah. Especially wasn't he the guy that did like the whole? Well, he did the the yeah. the forest shit and then the the roads too, right? And all the dams and yeah. everything. So all that national park service, everything was created under FDR. That's I mean he built basically so. And cabinets weren't really formalized, so all, all that stuff got formalized under FDR. But he also had five terms there, so I mean. Yeah, so that's a little, little skewed, <laughs> but yeah. 
I just have to look at the numbers. So neither of them are doing too many. And so that's something we have to, like, like you made a good point on. You can't just look at the numbers. It has to be what's it about. You know, if suddenly it's like, uh, you know, executive order or federal, like, curfew of 2200, like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no one can be out after 10 o'clock at night. Like, uh, excuse me? No. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, you know, there's, there's been so many curfews recently. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not creating stuff from nothing. It's, yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be big of a stretch at this point from, oh, we're already doing them. But, but I mean, yeah, I, I think we do need to to start curtailing the, the, the power of the president. Because I think it's – we just look at what the this last person did. Mm-hmm. Where he has appointed – he they made it a point to brag about how many – uh, judges they had put into positions. I'm like, that's not good, especially when I, they're all they're all on the right. You know, I'm like, and, and and they're all people that are likely in your pocket, and they're people that you assume that are going to vote your way. Thank goodness they did not, um, they did not all go his in his favor, especially during these times. But that's what he was trying to do was just stack the courts, and I'm like. Stuck in the courts is not is not good. Like you need to have like a more even killed approach. I my my impression over the last little bit has been that that Congress does so little that we've created a government through um through law through like I can't think of the right term, through basically through the courts, right? So yeah. instead of there being laws created that we then implement and enforce, yeah. we instead like have court decisions that then affect how we enforce the laws that were already created in new ways, right? So we're like, take an old law, interpret it a new way from a judge, they pass this court decision, and then that's now the new way that we're dealing with the law instead of writing a new law. Like, that's the way Congress is supposed to work. So I agree that the president's power needs to be curtailed, but the problem is these are all actions and things that have to happen. So it can't just be like, we're just not going to do this thing we have to say, okay, well, then instead of the president doing this, you need to do this and yeah. like shuffle the pieces around because they're actions that have to be taken. But Congress doesn't want to do all that extra work. And also, right, I'm going to hit it again. They don't have enough people to do all the work anyways. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and they're grounded more people. And but. to be honest with you, I'm, I am very worried about this current Congress. People are all, yeah. all, they're all happy, like, oh, the Democrats got the, you know, the Senate and the House, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's going to be great. No, it's not. In 2021, it's already showed me that it's not going to be great. Because what was the first thing that Congress did? I'm sorry, I think it was the House? That the, that the House did. They passed... We well, yeah. they they um, they wanted to remove uh, gender, war, gender no- names from hmm. the House. I'm like, what are you talking about? So no more man, woman, sister, brother, cousin, whatever. They want, That was their priority, was removing these words from being spoken... In the house, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a crisis with our current president, that's your priority is what to call people in the house. Like, because what this all this all goes back to it not being a republic, right? We talked about it. Like, it's because all we have to do is pander to the mob and their emotions and what it is that they feel. And as long as we can get them to believe that we're doing the things they want, you know, us to do then then they'll they'll not pay attention to the other things that we're taking care of behind closed doors. So as long as you do these hot topic items and hey look at my my right hand but don't pay attention to what I'm doing over here. That's a big part of what it is because everything is tied directly to a public vote, a public perception of things. 
and all you have to do is pander to that that persona and it's it's frustrating for me like there was so much of what i saw going on was relied to that i was like this wouldn't have happened if it was a republic and not a democracy right if it was not like everybody saying it's all oh but this is the death of the democracy I'm like we're not supposed to have a democracy people yeah <laughs> like what's wrong with you yeah we're this is exactly how democracy is supposed to work yeah this it's... is this is exactly what a democracy is supposed to look like everybody just doing whatever the hell they want and we're i mean we're seeing it it was on full display yesterday you know we saw a bunch of people that thought that they they were they were bamboozled into mm-hmm. thinking that uh, the presidency the election was fraudulent, which it was not. I'll mm-hmm. keep saying it; it was not fraudulent. They they we had multiple investigators go through all the election only in certain states because the ones that you know Trump won, they didn't mm-hmm. decide to do anything about those. But the ones that you know he lost he decided to go hard and try to contest those. The states went through multiple times. I mean, I, I think uh, Georgia had like three recounts, didn't they? It was a lot. Like, Georgia got worked. Why would you need three recounts? For any, like, people know how to fucking count. For real. Like, Computers know how to count real good. Yeah, and it's just, it, it's insanity to me that, that these people got bamboozled into thinking that, you know, their guy won when he clearly did not. And this is when... I started really wrecking. Oh, well, I saw it a while ago, but because previously to like the last, before like maybe the previous four years, I was like, we need we need to be a democracy, like a true democracy. Everybody needs to vote on everything. Fuck was I wrong? No, the fuck we don't. People are dumb as shit in America. Like seriously, they, we no. are not. Uh, the vast majority of voters are they're not intelligent people. And if if you want to talk about uh, having like a test to be a voter, you can't do that because then it's going to be it's going to it's a ethnic issue because people are educated that are you know brown people because they don't put resources into our schools. So if if you if you say that, it's going to be a huge issue. So you can't do that. So I understand having this whole you know the House and the Senate and all that stuff, but it's like, but the people in the House and the Senate are fucking stupid too. Because they're from the people. I mean, look at what what just happened yesterday. We had an insurrection on the Capitol building because of what was said by people in the Senate and the House and the President. Mm-hmm. After that happened, we had people, um, we had the President and people in the Senate and people in the House still spewing the same bullshit that literally just cost people their lives and they didn't give a single solitary fuck. You're not wrong. Um, how how would yeah. how how do we fix that, man? That's my question to you. Sorry, I that that was not that was I made statements. Then asked a question. How how do you think we can fix our republic to like get back to the way that that the founding fathers um, really what that their dream was, what what they wanted America to be? How do we get back? So to the that? a lot of the the a lot of the stuff was designed in a specific way to make sure that there was no one group that you could control and have everything. And that's, that was the whole purpose, right? So that you have to kind of find ways to balance decision-making between all these different groups. Um, And what we've done is broken everything down to get as close as possible, like you said, to everybody getting their voice heard everywhere and in all decisions. 
And honestly, the only thing that like stays sort of away from it is the Supreme Court. But even then, someone who is basically directly elected is the person who puts those people there and they're all politically driven selections. Whereas to me, none of the judges should be able to be politically assigned at all. Like if anybody even sniffs out that you might be a Republican, like you should have never been registered as a, as a specific political party. If you're a judge, you can't like do not allow judges. Like if you become a lawyer and while you're a lawyer is fine, maybe even maybe then no. And then you're like, I'm now going to be a judge. Like you have, like I am no longer part of the party. I can't be part of any political party and I have to only be a judge being completely neutral judging on things. Right. Because everybody knows these appointments are political then it becomes, then we know that that thing is just another extension of the political parties, which it, we both know, like doesn't represent everybody. Yeah. So, so that would be one, right? Remove the ability to be associated at all to political parties for any judges. Cause then those appointments are based on merit. Like has this judge done a good job showing like the ability to make good decisions that are based specifically in law and in, in the constitution. That'd be one. Um, and then the other would be to like, not have a national public election for the president of the United States. It's crazy. Everybody's like, what the hell? No. So well, it's not ever like supposed the, to be in that way. You want, to do like that? The, you want to do like the England thing where you vote for the party? No. So you choose electors in your state, right? So we each have a certain number of electors and that does happen anyways, but they're pre-chosen by party. Um, and then they're basically just representatives of the party going to DC to, to, or going to get their stuff certified as as voting as electors because we don't get to vote directly for the president. So all our national vote does is inform electors what vote they're supposed to cast, right? But that's a change that was made um, after basically Jefferson, right? It didn't take long before people started really focusing in on parties. Um, and for even up till then, basically electors were voted on, right? You selected your electors within your state. You chose these people who you feel like represent your state well. Those would probably be very political, right? But you would have to choose 12 of them. But they are not obligated. They weren't at the time, at least, by any parties. And then they would have to go, um, or maybe even within the state, and just choose. Like, they would have to review everything about all the candidates and then make their choices, and only their votes count. Um so that the state would have, you know, 12 or 25 or 37 or whatever their state's electors numbers is. Those people get locked in a room like a jury and you come out with a decision on where your numbers go. So let me, they don't have one way. Let's uh, let me add something into this. Um, what he's talking about might seem sort of ridiculous to some people that are listening to this. Um, I had to like think about it kind of hard. Um, all of you that are listening to this, that if you voted in the last election, how much research did you do for yeah. everything that you voted on? To be honest, um, I did. A, I actually did a pretty decent amount. I, I took. I took, I think it took me two, maybe two and a half hours to do my whole thing. And even that, probably not enough, you know. But mm-hmm. I actually, I went through everything. I looked it up on, you know, on Google. I went through my booklet. I, I made sure, of like, what I was voting on. Because some of the stuff that you're voting on, it's um. It's very coded language, and sometimes yes means no, sometimes no means yes, and you might yeah, not know. What's up? Especially in California, California does that a lot. Yeah, like a lot of it. Like with Prop Eight, I think it was like years back. For to vote for gay marriage, you had to vote no, which right. was like okay. I read it, I voted no, but that's why I didn't pass because you had to vote no for it. But anyway, um, 
I think that a lot of the average American that that works, you know, full time, they don't have the time or resources to really research on what really research what they're really voting on. And mm-hmm. so I think there is a valid argument to be made that, hey, perhaps we should have electors to do this for us because we just don't have the time or the education or whatever to do this. But I also think it becomes a slippery slope to where the electors might not vote in your best interest. But at the same time, hmm. you know, the system we have now, it's, it's not right. really in our best interest. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the fact that the electors could, right. And I think eventually there's no way to prevent it without saying you're not allowed to be a registered member of any political party or something. Um, but even then, like, if you know, hey, like, I've been a, say, I've been a college professor for 10 years, and someone mentions, like, hey, on the next presidential election, I'm going to nominate you to be one of the electors for the state, right? Like, oh, that sounds cool. But I'm a registered Democrat, say, like, for this scenario. Um, it's like, but you can't be a registered Democrat. So you have to, like, not vote as, like, you have to deregister as a registered member of a political party. And then you could be become one, but you still were one and you still have all those ties and everybody still knows you. Yeah. So technically you've met the requirement, but, but it would also mean still that you're not obligated. So there is at least enough of a gray area for me to feel like people could potentially not be tied to, you know, feeling like they're obligated to vote based on their party just because, you know, that was what they think got them selected for that position. And that, that I think is a big part of it is where are we've gone wrong is we've gone so hard in on parties. Like you have to vote along with your party. That's, that's to me a big part of it. Yeah. I think that is, that is an issue. Uh, what do you know about ranked choice voting? Do you, do you know about that at all? Yeah. So um, it's better than what we're doing. Um, Cause for first past the post is generally like, so this is, this is why democracy as a as like basic level doesn't work also. Right. It's the same concepts. So first past the post means whoever has the total amount to get their wins, right? So if if we're making a decision and there are 100 of us and 51 people want it one way and 49 people want it a different way, it goes the way the 51 people chose because that's a majority. That's still 49 people who did not want that decision to go through. So you have a whole lot of this group, about half pretty much, who are pissed off at whatever this decision was. And that's generally not a good thing for society. So um, ranked choice voting would be like, say I had five choices for president and depending on how the state works, you either have to rank everyone because some of them do them that way. And I say president, but it could be governor, uh, your state legislature. You have to mark every single person and with a number, one, two, three, four, five or whatever, who your first choice, last choice is basically all the way down. And then, then what it, it's basically an instant runoff is kind of what they call where um, the two who get the most points, basically, it's not necessarily you just had to vote for one, but it might've been, the person who you put second gets it because everybody chose second for that person, but like nobody put the same first person as first. So that was enough point differences that generally everybody was kind of like, okay, I could accept that person, but that's not my first choice. Um, so you end up with two things. One more opportunity for people to have a better uh, understanding of what it is they're voting for. Um, everybody gets a little bit more of a vote to me anyways, because you're getting to choose everybody. Um, and then you have a whole lot less people who are completely against whatever it was that was chosen, because you kind of had to make a choice of what would you choose next, like if you had to, and you're making that choice. So then when you get your second choice instead of your first choice, 
we don't usually feel as bad. Now, if you only have two choices. Yeah. So, yeah, um, thanks for, for, I mean, I knew what it was. I, I listened to a whole, a whole podcast on it. Um, yeah. Obviously, I didn't go to college for I, it. Let, let us succinct the version of it that I like. Yeah. No, no, you did a great job breaking it down. Um, I think if we went down the Democratic route, the, I, I think that that would be a more acceptable way to go. But I, I like I like your idea as well. Um, it's just, I think that we need to find a, a better system in America. I, I don't understand how we've had our current system for so long. I've, I've talked about it on multiple podcasts now with, with both of us. Um, we have this current system for like hundreds of years and we haven't changed it like really at all. And like, we're, we're just expecting to ride this shit into the fucking rocks. Like really? <laughs> yeah. The current way we're riding, it's been around for 107, right? 1913. I told you it was when we made basically the structure we have now and haven't changed it much. Um, and I don't think it was, I think the changes we made were bad. Anyways, we'd be better off if we were running on the same system from 300 years ago. So wait, but, hold on. What explain what changes do we made in, do we make in 1913? So 1913 was the locking down of the house, right? Reducing numbers, like saying no more growth. Um, it was, um, this is when a big change happened for the Senate too. So Senate's seats used to not be directly elected for the states either. It was up to the state, the same way they choose their own state legislatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state could decide how they chose their senators on their own. Um, and so most states, so there were like two or three at the time when it changed, that didn't do it this way, but almost every one of the states had their state legislature run an internal thing. Basically nominees came from the state and then the state legislature themselves chose who the senators were. So it wasn't a direct popular vote from the people to choose the senators. Um, and in 1913, again, was the law passed to be like, nope, all states are required to do direct election for senators. So I have, so, a, I have a question that probably some people might be thinking listening to this podcast. So if we, if we had elect, like appointed electors for anything, for that matter, um, what happens if the elected, the person that was appointed is doing stuff that the people do not agree with what is their what is the people's recourse uh so i mean in most cases they're either a state legislator so you should replace them Uh, i mean if it's either the hold on just real quick though if if they're appointed though how would the people replace them so like in in the senator example um they are elected within their state right so you have a state legislature as well so those state legislators are the ones choosing it and if you feel like they're not choosing the way we should, which is the way we're choosing them anyways, then replace them, vote for somebody else. Um, and in most cases, the states have methods for removing those people from office too. Um, I mean, shit, California is really good at removing their governor. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it might happen again. <laughs> third, third time in like 15 years, I've heard we're going to impeach the governor. I was like, that's probably going to happen because yeah. California is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got we got the governor. Yeah, actually, you know, Schwarzenegger did did a pretty good job. People give him a lot of crap, but he did a decent job. I think he he was way more squarely in the middle than most people were assuming. It's probably because of his wife, but you know, it it is what it is. Um, it honestly, if that dude wasn't uh, a foreign birth, he'd yeah. probably run for president, and he and he would probably win. In like, I and agree I, with you, and, and I'd be I, okay I with him. <laughs> Uh, and I would be okay with it if you want. Yeah, and I think most people would like if I brought the topic of like, should we p- propose a constitutional amendment to allow it? That thing would gain some traction. People would talk about it yeah. for sure. 
whether it would pass or not, and whether it's the right thing to do, if you think long-term, do we really want a foreign-born national to potentially be able to become president 30 years from now when they're not Arnold Schwarzenegger? Don't know. Yeah, yeah. It could be unforeseen <laughs> so consequences. <laughs> those consequences long-term. We got to think that way. So That's why they did it. Because there's going to be plenty of really charismatic foreigners that we would love to have do it, but you're going to get someone later who's managed to get their way through the system and should not have. So You mean like... Like Donald Trump, even he's not foreign, but you know, <laughs> nothing protected us from that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like I think a big part of his platform for running, like, and some of the people who voted for him were running with this concept that he sold of he's not a career politician, he's not someone who is already on the inside right. He's going to go drain the swamp. A lot of people voted for him based on that concept, like, hey, go in there and shake things up and be someone who's not a politician. Um, and I think that if you know someone with that runs in those circles and is already so closely tied to all those politicians, it's really not that drastically different. Yeah. And I, to be honest with you, like when, when he got elected, I didn't vote actually the last election. I did not vote it. Not the last one, the one before that, you know what I mean? 2016. I didn't vote at all. Cause I wasn't going to vote for Hillary Clinton or, uh, Donald Trump and Gary Johnson got, he didn't really, he wasn't really viable, but I should have done the right thing and just wrote him in. I should have wrote in Gary Johnson because I, I wrote in Andrew Yang this year or last year. Um, I should have done it for Gary Johnson. Was Johnson not on the ballot in California? No, he was on. I mean, you could you can write in anybody. I could write in me. So yeah, but did he not make it to oh, the ballot for? I think he made it, but I was just like, he's not going to yeah. be the president. I wanted him to be the president, but they, they weren't giving him any airtime, and I was disenfranchised. They disenfranchised me. Like, yeah, they never give that to any of the third party candidates, but that's a whole yeah. topic and stuff. But this this year, I was just like, you know what? I, I got a guy who I really believed in, and or last year, and, and I'm I'm gonna write him in, even though he's not on the ballot. I, I was fine with that. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let my vote not count again, even if it's somebody that's not gonna be the president. Um, and I voted on all the other shit too. But uh, so I I was gonna bring this up too when we were talking about are there certain things that I shouldn't be voting for at a state level, right, or even at a federal level, especially. Um, and so I do this on almost every ballot. I like don't vote on certain topics. So hmm. when I see something on a ballot, right. And I'm like, that's not a decision for the average citizen to make. You need to deal with this at the legislature, like someone whose job it is to make state level decisions. Um, so like I'll vote for a County tax to support the County schools. But if you're voting for like a statewide new tax to take care of, you know, this statewide system, I'm like, just decide that at the legislature. Why are you passing that on to me? Like, I, I don't know enough about this or what impact it's going to have statewide. That's why you send people from each district to the capital of the state to talk about these things because they're going to each represent their regions and you can come to a decision. I can't make this decision for that county over there. I don't, and I might vote differently if I knew what impact it would have on them. Yeah, that's, that's why there's people. I recognize that this year for like the first time ever was like I, I was literally um, voting for. The district butts up against me, but it's 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 an unincorporated part of California to live in the hills. And I'm like, why am I voting on like wh whether or not to keep their taxes at a certain rate? Or I'm like, I, I don't live there. Yeah. Like, why would I vote on this? So, yeah, it seems so. Yeah, I got you on that point. Like, I don't I don't get why I'm voting on things that should not that don't affect me at, at all. And that p other people should be voting on whether or not it's electors mm -hmm. or those specific people. I don't, I don't know if it's a problem with, in the specific example that I'm talking about, I don't know if it's a problem with districting, because maybe their district is lumped in with mm -hmm. mine, 
if, if so, that needs to change because they have my problems are not their problems. Like they're not. I mean, they're, they're close. Yeah, but I mean, they're not my problems. <laughs> yeah, if the decision was for a bridge, you know, across that affects both of your communities, then sure. Yeah, but like it's not one of those because like in Vancouver, Washington, where I technically vote still. Like the bridge that crosses over into Portland across the Columbia River is a huge topic every year. And it's important to everyone in the I-5 corridor. <laughs> like it should be a, a Washington, Oregon, California vote to fix this because it impacts truckers going from everywhere along the West Coast. Because when you get to Portland, if you have to go beyond Portland, you need to go around because you cannot get across that bridge ever because it is so slow. Yeah, I, I actually went through that once on the on five. Um <laughs> Yeah, so what, let me tell you a crazy story. Uh, a friend of mine was getting married. He was in the Marine Corps. Um, and I went from, I think it was Oceanside or Irvine. Irvine, California, to uh, just south of Tacoma, Washington. And I did it in 13 hours. <laughs> I, was dri- I was driving like 100 miles per hour, like pretty much the whole time. I got pulled over once when I got to to uh, to Washington because my, my friend was like, hey, once you get to like you know, past, you know, Portland, you get into Washington, like slow down because they'll, they'll give you a ticket. And sure enough, maybe like 25 miles in, I was driving and I was, uh, there was like a guy in a truck, like a brown truck with like a, 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 what do you call them? The the hunter rack in the back of the, like he pulled me over, like the lights came on. I was like, what? Are you serious? What is this? (laughs) Else, yeah, I, so I got pulled over and I got a ticket. It's funny, the ticket never went on my record. I guess I just paid their, you know, yeah. police department. But whatever. The uh, Usually that happens in southern Oregon, too, when you're doing the winding through the mountains. Like, they, they'll they usually pull you over there, too, if you go too fast. That's dangerous. That, that, those curves are pretty bad. But Oh, yeah. I actually, on the way, because I, I, I did that drive, that 13-hour drive, and I, did, I went to the wedding, and I drove back, I think, that night. Which that was stupid because I, I I got the the wedding part you're talking about and I was like yeah I can't do this I just I pulled over and I just went to sleep. <laughs> that part that part every is dangerous and we were trying to go through there we were even just going the speed limit but it got so foggy we got pulled over and the cop was just like hey look it is really really bad up here don't go the speed limit you need to go about ten under it is crazy bad fog right now I was like okay thanks appreciate it like it was literally just like hey be careful yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, I think we got off topic a little. But. No, no, no. It's 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 all good. Um. So anyway, let, let's. What what were we talking about? Do you remember what what you were talking about? There was any points you need to add into that? I think so. Um, Go ahead. You asked like what else could we do to fix it, and uh, then you oh actually so you asked about electors, and I mentioned with it being appointed, but as already state legislature. So even in the current model those certifications that you saw Congress doing, they're reviewing a piece of paper, right? That paper is certified by the state legislature. Um, and that's where those electors go and cast their ballots. Yeah. So that should happen. And then all you would have to do is still hold those same state legislatures accountable is if, if we were listening to that certification or we're paying attention enough where those really actively involved citizens like you and I are, and I'm looking at the list and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why would he vote for that person? as an elector, right? Someone who's not supposed to be politically affiliated and everyone else came to this decision and this one person <laughs> went sideways and you know that he basically voted for a political party he used to be associated with. Um, and Congress in the state, the state legislature didn't catch that and didn't 
you know, toss him out or whatever, uh, you know, you can still hold the legislature accountable, your state legislature. That's that's the only re- recourse you have in that case. And it's probably not going to be fast enough. It's probably going to be too late. Like it already went. And I mean, that's it. Now, could we, could we create laws that like make it a punishment for not being honest in those things? And like where, you know, it's a, what's the like Rico type stuff? Like, hey, were you coerced? Was there something else going on? Was someone making you do it a certain way? You yeah. start getting investigating and, um, and then maybe hold them accountable for voting a certain way or being coerced to do so. But um, that's really hard to ever prove, you know? So yeah. Well, with my- well, I think, you know, when it comes to people that we elect, I think that there should be harsher punishments for a lot of these sorts of things. I mean, like we, uh, we, power. yeah, I mean, there's serious abuses of power and these people are just, they're getting away with it on, on a daily basis. I mean, if uh, going back to like what happened yesterday, I expect um, thousands of people to be arrested that that did the actual act, and I expect um, at least what a hundred and forty something people in Congress to step down. I really do, and I, I really have no. Well, I well I expect there at least to be some pressure because these people have incited violence, you know, like literally against themselves, like morons. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that those people, even after the violence happened that they still were pushing for, like, I don't even, I don't understand their, their logic on this. Like the, the, I mean, so got what they wanted, but I think it didn't have as big of an impact as they expected. Right. So their goal was to stop the certification, right. Make it so that the, the electoral college certification process that was happening at that time didn't happen. Right. So they stopped it and they did they, they interrupted it. They had to stop everything. Everybody had to go away and move away. But it was like, as soon as they managed to clear it, they went back in and they finished. They're like, we're going to finish this. Done. So, I mean, it's, it just, that was the goal. Yeah. In my, in my, but there needs to be. Is that a, just, is that a reasonable goal? No. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's Well, they were dumb, obviously. But I, I, the, the way that all of it happened is it was just so incredible to me that you know that people weren't like a police officer died today i don't know if you if you read that he got hit in the head but with a fire extinguisher by one of the terrorists and these are the same people that i would assume were the like blue lives matter thing you know and it's like well you killed a cop so i mean yeah yeah, and it's just and there there's very little like if, if somebody black would have done that that it had been way more bigger of a deal. And like you said before, if there was like a, a mob of, you know, brown people storming the Capitol building, there would have been way more shots fired. You know, they would have actually done their goddamn jobs and protected the people that were inside that building that were doing the job of the people that we elected them to do. And yeah. um, I think we both would agree before you go too much further, though, that not shooting them would be the goal. Stopping yes. them from hurting people without doing that would be the first objective because they're also supposed to be protecting those citizens because they are citizens of this country. But, but like when you turn into an angry mob, you stop being individuals. Yes. Uh, when you endanger the lives of others, it's, I'm going to do my best to not endanger your life to keep you from doing that. But if I have to, I will protect other people. But yeah, um, thank you for saying that. I don't, I, I don't want it to seem like I wanted um, a whole bunch of white folks to die. I did. I, I don't want that to happen. 
what should have happened is that it should have been stopped with an sh- uh, obvious show of force that would have deterred anybody from getting onto those steps into the building and destroying property, threatening lives, uh, planting pipe bombs, killing people. All that, all the things that happened could have been avoided if they if they would have shown the same amount of force that was used when you had protests for Black Lives Matter last year, mm-hmm. earlier last year. What's up? Like in Portland? Well, Portland, that was actually a failure because, right, they took over the city? Oh, they took over, like, a, the, the Chaz thing? There was definitely... No, that was Seattle. Seattle. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Portland Portland was very aggressive, like, probably too much. And that, that's it's a fine line to walk in. Oh, like, that, that was where, like the secret police. Yeah, I gotcha. And it became, now we're just going to fight back because you guys are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I totally understand those people, too. Like, I'm very much a... You know, freedom, like, don't don't mess with us. Like, if, if we're here protesting, as long as we're not hurting anybody, leave us alone. Um, but I think there's a line between that. Like, there's no reason there's not a fence. Like, hey, don't come past here because this is where we think, you know, this is where we're trying to protect these people. Just be here, protest, make your point, but peacefully, right? That's in the Constitution. You are absolutely have within your rights to peacefully assemble and have a protest. When it's not peaceful, it stops being peacefully assembled and you no longer have the right to do what it is you're doing. So, and I, um, I totally agree with that. Even when it comes to like the, the Black Lives Matter protests that happened last year, when it started getting into like rioting and looting, then yeah, you need to stop that, obviously. You have, you have to stop that. Um, but at the same time, the those Black Lives Matter protests that were there, there was not a single Black Lives Matter protest that where their goal was to stop uh, government work and where they took over a building and you know just like that just that didn't happen because they, they had deterrence there to, to stop that even if it was going to happen I mean we literally had uh, people that were in DC that got removed from the premises by you know rubber bullets and gas and forcibly removed through violence from the police so uh, Donald Trump not the president anymore could get a photo op with a with a a Bible in front of a church Me- during the coronavirus. Right? Yeah. During the coronavirus. And you know, like, go ahead. Wasn't it right that when he got sick too? Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he, he is what he is. But you know, yesterday we had people that they didn't use any of those sorts of deterrents to, to stop them from storming the Capitol building and putting lives in danger. And there was lives lost. There, there was no sorts of deterrence like that. None. Yeah. So, I mean like the only two options, right? There's only two, there's only two ways that happened. Right. One is a total comedy of errors. Like everybody screwed up and like, oh my gosh, no one like could keep track of what was going on. And every, you know, what's it like um, a series of unfortunate series of unfortunate events or like all the ones where you're like, if every single thing in the chain just went wrong, like all the way down the line. So that's either everyone's incompetent and made total huge amounts of mistakes, which we've seen them not do before. So seems unlikely or people were like, you know, accomplices on it. Right. Like you said. Yeah. Which is, which is my, I mean, I don't like conspiracy theories, but what I saw is what I saw. Yeah, and I I saw them taking selfies with terrorists and removing gates and not using any sort of force against them to stop them from getting access to a building where they should not have gotten access to. And that to me is just, it's it's baffling. Do you think so those people should be charged like for letting them in? With yes, some kind of crime, not yeah. just lose their jobs, but should be charged with 
accomplice to whatever deaths happened as well. Yes, I I think there I think there needs to be a heavy-handed response to what happened, and it's not just the individual police officers that were there because obviously they they should be charged as well. But I think that honestly, um, this is another tinfoil hat thing coming on. It's it wasn't just the police officers that were there. It was the the lack of the National Guard being mobilized in any sort of reasonable reasonable amount of time or any sort of help really getting there. Like, I'm watching this happen on TV. I'm like, where is the enhanced security? Why aren't there more people there? Like, this is a, a guy, you know, that served in the Marine Corps. To me, this seems, like, totally ridiculous. Like, you know, we talked about it on uh, the, a couple podcasts ago. Where talking about splitting up Congress, they mm. shouldn't all be in this. I totally agree. I agreed on the last one. These people should not be in the same place. What, one building, they're both the Senate and the House is there. You're like, yeah, it comes back to redundancy. You know, yeah. I'm a stickler for redundancy. I'm like, so when you said, you know, this should be in like three, I think you said it was three separate cities or five, five, even better, five separate cities, you yeah. can do a goddamn Zoom call. In those five separate cities, stop all coming to DC. Stop wasting goddamn uh, fuel on jet lines, you know, and all this other nonsense. Just you're just wasting the people's money. You're wasting people's money. Yeah. So the Senate should still be in the national capital, the like the main national capital where the president is, and then you know one of the regional houses could be there if you wanted to. I would say not. Right. Try to separate it even more, like you said, but have five separate regional capital buildings for the representatives to be in for the house. Yeah. That's just a theory. Well, it, it, what it's, it, that's the way I think that that's a really good way to do it. Um, and I think that what I'm worried about this, is like my fears is that Russia and China and North Korea, they're all looking at us like we're fucking morons. Like, yeah. could you imagine if there was a bunch of like Russian spies or like a, they could have infiltrated um, you know, MAGA easily. They really could have. And yeah, and went in there and just with firearms and just started killing a bunch of people. I mean... And I mean so infiltrating a group of people who are, you know, peaceful protesters seems to be the trending second story that comes along with every single one of these riots, which is like, we were there doing a peaceful protest for our topic that we wanted to cover and then some other group of people showed up. We don't know who the hell they were, and they started the riot. Right? It had nothing to do with us. That was it's been the, like every single the topic. Yes, but this in this specific instance, that was not the case. Like I saw, right. the, yeah, they were all basically uniformed up with MAGA shit. I mean, come on. I I saw one of the most disgusting things is like somebody that had like a sh- a sweater on that said uh, Auschwitz uh, camp something. And I was just like, so really, we're just we're doing the whole Nazi thing, and I and I watched a, a person on CNN do the whole Nazi fucking salute and all that shit. I'm just like, dude, are you for real? Have you? So, yeah, I don't know. I was gonna bring go back to the numbers in Congress thing because have you seen so the the idea that it's so many people and we need to spread them apart was part of the logic of it, but also the redundancy is great. Um, so the the Chinese National Congress is almost three thousand people. So we're talking about 6,000 would be if we did our numbers, which I can't imagine that they're doing anything like the proportions we're talking about. Yeah. Because <laughs> theirs would be so high. Yeah. But um, it's it's also all in one room. It's like this huge stadium seating. You see, like, who's talking? How do you, how do you have a conversation? Yeah. It's because it's we have, like, this super old, like, two century ago thinking for, like, these ideas when we live in the 21st century. Like, we have technology... 
let's use it. Stop being stupid. Like, we don't use fucking rotary phones anymore. Yeah. I mean, come on. And rotary phones are... Some of these people were, were born in times where there was, like, no TVs. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and this is why we're stuck with these dumbass old ideas. And, yeah, I get it. You have experience. But there, there comes a time with a lot of people, not everybody, with a lot of people when they get old, when they're stuck in their old stupid ideas. All right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they cannot move forward for whatever reason. And I've met... I met plenty of old people that are they still have their wits about them. They still caught up. They're still on the ball with technology and the way the world works. But when I see a lot of members of Congress, they are not like that. They don't understand the way the internet works. They don't understand that there's cars that run on batteries. They don't understand like just basic shit that most people in America really understand. And they are supposed to be the advocates for the people but they don't understand the tools and technologies and culture, anything that the people run their lives by. And it's a disgrace. Yeah. So, so we just watched, started watching Shit's Creek. Have you ever watched it? No, my girlfriend loves that show. <laughs> I haven't watched it. So like to me, to me, they're all the roses, right? They're like this super well-to-do completely way up here family, like everything so wealthy that they have, completely disconnected from basic everyday person's reality. And then if you, if you take, which the show is basically take them and just like drop them lose, they lose everything and they have to exist in this small town kind of concept. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do anything on their own. Right. So they have to learn all this stuff. And it's funny kind of watching them learn basic stuff. Um, yeah. So they're not going to understand these things because they don't have to do those things themselves. They have other people to take care of that stuff for them. But I will say like a lot of work in, in the capital is still done by courier. Like here's a letter, deliver this to that person over there. So you have runners, like a lot of people get their first, first like jobs trying to move towards being important in, in political circles and stuff, being couriers and being assistants and aides to people in Congress. Cause so they need a bunch of people to run messages around and stuff. It's crazy. It's like, a, it's like having a carrier pigeon. Like seriously, I- we I'm have email. Is someone being paid to like maintain the pigeons. <laughs> yeah, it just is so it's so incredibly stupid to me, you know, that we we are living in a time when we have all like AI is on the cusp of um yeah. like self actualization, you know. The singularity is close in hand. And we have people running letters back and forth like it was <laughs> the ninth grade. Like seriously. Yeah. Why are we doing this? You know, there's a, a satellite communications constellation called Skynet, right? I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. I, Jesus. I, I yeah. I don't. I don't get it. You know, the other day I was watching a video of uh, Boston Dynamics of their their robots dancing. I, I shared it. The dog? No, no. They have like the actual like the the walking robot and the dogs too. Mm. But they were like, they had this whole dance routine going on. I'm like, okay, so now they can dance too. They're going to dance on our bones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, I mean, they're doing good good dance moves. But it's just like, we have that. And then we have somebody else that's that, that needs a courier to pass along a letter to another person in a different building. That's, so, I mean, it's... It's a security is the reason they do it, right? That's what they say when I read about it. Um, it's because, like, I I trust you. I know that I can trust you. You have the clearances. You have all these investigations. Done, I can put this document in a folder that I need 
safely taken to that person who also has the clearance and the need to know and the whatever. Um, so I know that it's going to be delivered. Like a closed loop cypernet type network does the same thing. Yeah. Why can't you? You guys don't have this? Exactly. Like, and I know that they don't because Clinton can just email anything on her own personal servers. Like, cause she didn't have a provided one from work is what she said. I was like, how do you not have a provided email from work? Yeah. Don't so for y'all that are confused, he, he said a term, if you're a civilian, if he, he said the cypernet, um, which it's the secured internet for the mil- for the military and the basically most of the government. Basically it's a whole separate internet from what we use. Okay. We have the, the military has the nippernet too. It's a non-secure um, internet, which is like more widely used. Um, and there's also the tippernet. I don't, you, you ever use that? Um, it's different now, but yeah. Okay. So they only oh, change the name. Don't say the name. It's yeah. fine. But basically there's a whole different echelon of that as well. Um, where it's like even more secretive. Um, but I can talk about it cause it's, it's, you can look it up on the internet. Um, it's out there, but yeah, there, there's yep. separate internets out there to do the things that they're using human beings to do. And it's stupid. Well, and we're, and we're not even talking about this national network of stuff that would be required later. We're literally talking about within one building yeah. right? or, or, or down the road, maybe to the white house. Like you literally maybe need to go five miles down the road. You could literally just run some cables. Yeah. And you can literally just print to their printer. <laughs> like, come on. You know. <laughs> it's, it's a little crazy. So I, yeah. But it's that level of stuff that I think impacts all the rest of these things. We can't make basic decisions like that. How are we going to make huge sweeping changes? Like let's change the number of representatives we have, or let's not have the citizens of the United States vote for the president. People in this country would lose their mind if suddenly we didn't vote on the president. But we, but we really don't. I mean, we don't we anyway. play a show. Yeah. We play the show and everybody plays the game and they pretend like they do, but they don't, if we just told them, never mind, we're not going to play that game this year. Like people would freak out. I think they, they would, cause they don't understand the way the electoral college um, works for most people. And that's why, you know, when I, I, I said it a few years back, it's just like, it doesn't matter if I vote, especially in California. It really doesn't matter how I vote. A hundred percent doesn't matter. If you live in, you know, Florida or if you, if you live in a swing state, your vote probably matters more than you think it does. But if you're in a deep red or a deep fucking blue state, like your vote does for the president does not matter. You're, you're more well served on voting on local matters that that matters. But as far as the presidency goes, it, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I could, I could have voted for Trump or, you know, or Biden. It wouldn't matter. And there's there's the vast majority of my state was going to vote for Biden. And I already knew that I, I, I have no love for Biden at all. I have hope that he will uh, help heal this country. But I had serious reservations on voting for a guy that helped write the crime bill, you know, and had all these other various issues throughout his uh, political career. Um, and, and when I say that to some people that are Democrats, they get mad at me. I'm like, look what, if you look at the crime bill, look up for that one bill alone. It puts so many people that were brown in prison and people that are poor in prison, they're probably any other bill that, that, I, that I can remember, really. I mean, yeah, you know, Nixon talked about the war on drugs. Reagan started the war on drugs. And then, you know, Clinton wrote the, the Clinton administration wrote the bill for, for the crime bill. And that's what really 
started really doing the whole mass that that ex- accelerated mass incarceration in America, and it you can look it up if you want. So, what I think we need to start doing too, and this is just a society. Obviously, me and you aren't going to fix this problem, but is like you will, you will eventually. You're going to run for president. It's all good. I'll support you. <laughs> but we have to refer to things. Um, you know, by Congress too, right? So we always talk about when things happened based on the presidential administration that was in place at the time, even if the thing was something that started in the Senate or in the House as a bill was passed and and was maybe advocated for by a president or something. But like, which Congress did that? I wouldn't have any idea. I'd have to go look up which Congress was in session at the same time as this president because it's easier for us to remember that, I think. But that's because that's how we talk about it. That's because that's how everybody else is going to talk about it. So if I said... You know, oh, it was done during the 112th Congress. They would be like, when the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the problem is, especially when, when it comes to the bill that I was talking about, is because, you know, Bill Clinton, he talked a lot about the crime bill. So he had, mm-hmm. he had like, a lot of airtime about supporting the crime bill, and so did, uh, so did Hillary Clinton. Um, so, yeah, but generally speaking, yeah, you're totally right. It's just, for me, that specific one um, they talked about. But, yeah, usually, like most bills, yeah, it depends on you know, whoever's in Congress, and then also um, whether or not the president vetoes it or not, which, I mean, they don't veto very much, but, you know. And I wonder, like, who wrote it? You know, that's a big part of when I always look back. So, uh, like, because it usually has to start in a committee. Yeah. So it has to get there somehow. Someone else has to write it. The president, like, Bill Clinton did not sit at his desk and write this thing, you know what I mean? So, like, someone else wrote it. Yeah. He might have advocated for it. He might have said, hey, here's the things I want to see in it. Someone had to actually do the work. And I, I want to start, you know, this movement and this conversation. And I have to get better at it because I don't know these things either. Of like, And I, I try to go read them. But then, for one, like we talked about last time, it's like, sometimes it's so hard to read this stuff that yeah. it's so much there that I have, to, I have to read the summaries and things like that and see who did it and go, okay. Um, but we don't ever know that, you know, like who's actually doing the work. And, and then even then, it's still a, a wave tops thing. If it says these five Congress people were the sponsors for this bill inside this committee, it was still written by their 147 staffers. It wasn't really them, you know, like they, they then decided on it, made adjustments to it. But like the meat and potatoes has to be done by a team of people um, who are probably not getting paid very much either. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't like the way the whole process even works because they, they put it in these, these these legalese terms, which I understand, like, you need to have that, but they need to have, like, I think you, you said it, they need to have, like, two different versions. Yeah, it's like you need to have something that's, you know, human-readable, and then another version that is, you know, legally safe. And yeah. the fact that they're not using, the fact that they're just, you know, having these thousand-page-long documents and just spitting it out there and then be like, hey, read this in 12 hours or a day or three days. It's like, that's unreasonable amount of amounts of time. Like, yeah, we, and we can't honestly expect our Congress people to be able to keep up with that. It's unfair. It's not realistic. So, yeah, but it isn't realistic so, to, I don't know, to try to bring us back to what I think you wanted to talk about for the major topic too, was, um, how, do you remember how long boot camp is? 13 weeks. For us? 13 weeks. Yeah. How long is the average like police Academy? Oh, it's not that. yeah it's like two weeks right usually maybe a month most of them um and then those people when they graduate where do they go on the force what's their job that they go do they're usually like straight to the streets no so i this is i know this from personal experience well not personal experience i'm sorry my friends experiences they they usually Mm -hmm. 
they they go to the quote unquote streets where they have the NFTO, which is like a field training officer. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like OJT. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. How long do they do that for? Uh, not more than a couple months, if if even that. It's usually like a couple weeks. So that would be my my big thing. I think would be one of the things that could help. I think with the specifically the systematic problem that we have, which I think is there's no standard for one. Like we we that might be to your area. It might be different in a different city. It might be one week. You know, like yeah. that you go with a with a training officer. Um, so I think a little bit more standardization, a little bit more scrutiny on the training um, to get them prepared before their first time going out because. Um, well, hold on, we spent, real quick. Um, even, I didn't give my my entire list, but let me to talk about what you were just talking about about yeah. training. Is that when I hear uh, police officers and police police advocates talk about, oh, we don't have enough uh, training, or we don't have enough funding? No, f- get the fuck out of here. You have enough funding, hundred percent. You're just putting in the wrong places. If you would stop buying tanks yeah. and grenade launchers and all these other sniper rifles and all this other shit, you would have plenty of funding to train to properly train your police officers. But you decided to take the money. I, th- I forget the name of the grants, but th- there's grants to militarize the police. And the fact that they are using these grants to just buy military equipment and use it just for that instead of actually properly training their police officers... Uh, that's a huge problem because this is coming from somebody that, that, you know, up until last year did jujitsu, um, a lot. All right. I, I, I did jujitsu probably at least every week I would do jujitsu at least probably 10 to, to 16 hours a week. All right. And I, I trained with plenty of police officers and the vast majority of them don't know how to fucking defend themselves on a basic level, the vast majority. And I, I the, the ones that, um, uh, I'll give some credit to the ones that stick around. There, there's three in particular that I'm thinking of probably four, but there's been so many other police officers that I, I have rolled with, which is basically sparring. And then I've seen them come there and within a week or so, they're just, they're done. And they start, they, they don't ever come back. And I'm just like, you got your liability. Like you don't, I know you don't know how to fight at all. You don't know how to physically restrain somebody at all. And you got embarrassed at a, at an academy, um, by getting manhandled. And instead of actually learning how to physically restrain somebody, you decided that the, the gun is the better route to go. And it's not, you know, and, and for those of you that, that, that are listening to this, that have trained with me, Thank you for training with me and sticking with training with me. You, all you guys know um, that I'm not trying to hurt you at all. If you're a police officer or in law enforcement at all, you guys especially, except for what Mr. X. Mr. X knows that I'm, I'm going to go hard for him. I'm not going to try to hurt him because we both know how to tap, but we, we, have a, we have a special relationship. The rest of you guys, um, I know that you, you guys have a career and I'm not trying to disable you i'm not coming with at you guys with anger or anything like that i just want you guys to be able to to better serve your communities and i there's so many people out there that are just they don't take that into account they're not they're not taking the hard route you know 
Well, I mean, and it's a, it's a disconnect from the real purpose, right? Because the goal is to be the, your purpose is to protect keep and these serve. Safe, right? <laughs> and I think that maybe that's lost. We spend a lot of time in the Marine Corps, right, talking about the right mental headspace to make sure you understand what your objectives are, what your rules are, and how you can and can't engage. And knowing that it's inherently a dangerous situation something can go wrong and someone can get killed and that can happen. We all understand that and can accept that in a police situation that stuff could happen. But so many times we look at these situations, you go, there's really no reason that should have went that way. Um, I don't want cops getting shot every day either, like because they hesitating and not engaging when they should have. But I think what we need to do is put them through enough like real world training up until the point where they feel comfortable being able to decipher the difference between the two. And I think that's, what's missing is um, enough time. Maybe, maybe like you said, a, a proper focus on training. I don't think huge SWAT teams need to be a thing that we're doing. There should be, there shouldn't even be this is the feel like your city is a, in a position where I need these things to be available to me. You need to talk to your governor and have national guard resources yes. available nearby people yeah. whose job it is in that really rare instance and, and those are the people who get called when that kind of stuff happens. A SWAT team, right? Like dudes with trucks and a couple of bigger guns, sure. But like in most cases, you don't need many of those. You don't need a whole lot of that. Yeah, it's the vast majority of cases. The 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 SWAT teams mainly get deployed to like to serve warrants, and they're like for like nonviolent crimes. It's the dumbest shit ever. And I, I brought this up before. Um, but it's like if you need it, you can easily mobilize. There, there's military um, installations in every goddamn state, yeah. and not even states in in you know uh, territories. So, and there, and it's easy, to, it's easy to to deploy them because they're already there's always somebody on duty on a military base. It's very easy to do, and they have way more training than the SWAT team, way more training than a, than a SWAT team. Um, and I don't understand why we, we have, we have cities in the United States, not even cities or towns of like 4,000 people or less that have a SWAT team. Why do they have a SWAT team? If you have a city of 4,000 people or less, why do you have a SWAT team? You don't need an APC. You don't need a tank. You don't need all this other nonsense. You don't. Um, and I, I just, I I don't get it. And they, somebody tried to like justify, the whole APC thing. They're like, oh, well, they need them. I'm like, why do they need them? Are they going to take the APC into incoming fire? Is that what they're going to do? Because if that's what they're going to do, then yeah, that's totally valid. But I've never seen uh, uh, a SWAT team ATV drive into fire. You drive to the place you're, to the place you're supposed to get to outside the line of fire, and then you start stacking and you start doing your strategy and you go there. And somebody else tried to say, well, what if you need like a mobile command center? You never put a command center in the line of fire. That is stupid. Like, and it's not going to be a big truck, like a van. It's not going to be a armored thing. It's nowhere near as expensive. And, it, and it's usually if you're going to have a, a mobile command center, it's not going to be anywhere near where they're going to get possibly shot at. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you're just basically telling them to cut the head off the snake. It's got so, all the satellite antennas and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. let's shoot this thing. Yeah, so it, I, because it, it, it's because civilians, they don't understand the way that the military is supposed to operate and the way the police are supposed to operate. 
um yeah. the, the police get this this really weird um reverence that and, and actually so does the military too we we get a lot of reverence for stuff but it's like listen um i don't i never consider myself a hero when i joined the the, the military and so when people think from thank you for my service it's awkward to me i'm like i me too. Yeah. i'm like thanks i guess but I, I guess also you're welcome but it's just like it, it's weird to me because it's just what yeah. i what i do like what do you do for a li- like the, the civilian person like what do you do for a living you know should i thank you for that like that's just what i did you know for a, a amount of time and i knew what i was signing up for and that's what i yeah. wanted to do like yes i could have been in situations to like do some heroic stuff but that's what i wanted to do and i think that most people don't really seem to they don't get that, you know. But there's also people that are out there that are seeking the glory. I'm not seeking glory. I don't, I don't want the glory. Those guys are dangerous. Yeah, and those are the guys. Some of those guys become police officers, and that's that's part of the problem. So they want to kick down doors. And that's what I think. And how do we? But I mean, so to me, right, that's not a problem that can be fixed, right? That's not a a systematic thing or a systemic problem. That's like a because that's a people problem, right? That's a system problem is a thing where we're like, well, if we implement this rule or we change our training or we do things differently or we change the structure, that's a, something that can be fixed or it's a problem that's in place because of those things. To me, that's systemic, right? If it's a problem that's there because we're creating it, that's a problem that can be fixed because we just need to fix the system and get it right, which is never perfect. And we just need to make adjustments and tweaks. But like to me, those dudes are just... Like the only way to get that would be like better screening. And there's, that's not a systemic, that's like, I, I don't know how to fix that for sure. <laughs> and well, it is a problem. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, a, I, I think we can at least go down the, we can try to fix it. And I think part of it is obviously better training. And like you said, yeah. better screening as well. Um, and then also just changing the mission of the of police officers in America. Like totally. Um, when I don't like the term defund the police because it is, it it puts people's, it gets people riled up irrationally. Um, mm-hmm. I think what it should be is to um, move resources, move police resources into better served things. Because yeah, police, it's not, it's not catchy. catchy. Yeah, it's because police officers in America they're 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 doing they're doing too many things and they are they're a hammer. They're not, you know, a surg- they're not surgical equipment. They're just, they're a hammer and they just, they smash things. That's what, that's the power that we've given them. So when we send the police to somebody that's having a crisis, like a mental breakdown, and you send the police, they're a hammer and they're just going to smash them. They're not going to try to understand why this person's having a mental breakdown. They're not going to try to understand what they're going through. They just know, smash this person, incarcerate them. When the person, what they really could have used is somebody that could have like actually helped them. And then once you smash the person, if you're a police officer and then toss them in the system, the system has no obligation to rehabilitate them at all. They have an obligation to make them a slave. And that's basically it. Yeah. So I mean, so like, that's, that's probably a a good, good point to it where I was, I was talking about that from a leadership role too. Right. If, if, if you only have like one, corrective measure for your Marines, right? If, if, if the only thing you can think of to try to like teach and train and, and mentor and guide these Marines to be better is to yell and scream at them or curse at them or like, 
you know, PT, just basically hit them, right? Like you said, with a hammer. If you just come with the hammer every time, um, not every problem is a nail. And sometimes you need other tools in your tool bag so that way you can assess the situation, figure out the right tool, and use that tool for that situation. Some people don't respond to the hammer. Some people will respond to the hammer. So you have to figure that out based on the person. And maybe what I'm picking up that you're saying is sort of like, we need to figure out how to train them to be better able to determine which tool it is and then obviously provide them with the tools they need to, to do those things. So, well, um, yes, that that's part of what I'm saying, but I'm also saying that we don't, we should not be sending them on all of these things because they're just trying to do too many things. Like, let me give you a perfect example. If I get into a car accident, why do I need somebody with a firearm on them to help me out? I don't, not at all. Mm-hmm. But every single time there's a car accident, what do you see? One, two, maybe three police officers there at the scene, along with an ambulance and a you know, f- you know, uh, fireman or whatever. But there does not need to be a police officer in that situation at all, unless the situation is dangerous. But by their own like codes of conduct, they have to go on site to to deal with. I'm like, why are you doing this? If there's uh, a crazy person that wants that wants to jump jump off of a bridge, they send somebody with a gun. To help them like are they really the best person to send there you know if, an say again send an ambulance send an emt right yeah it's more of a person to be suited for that yeah so that's what i'm saying like like let's reduce the amount of funding that we're giving to these police departments and put them um towards people that can actually deal with those certain problems mm-hmm. because yes when it comes to like actual violence against citizens yeah definitely send a police officer if somebody's kicking somebody's ass or you know, threatening them with violence or shooting somebody or whatever, any kind of violence you want to think of, yes, definitely send a person with a, with a firearm to deal with that situation. But when it's like things that can be talked through, you know, or just to investigate something, you know, let's uh, let's do that instead of having the possibility of some guy that has seen way too much bad shit, you know, that's a police officer that has a gun, and then all of a sudden he sees a kid with a fake gun and then he shoots him because that's happened multiple times and there's no and there's been no uh repercussions for those people you know because because they're protected by qualified immunity you mentioned investigations like do you think there should be a different like a different group that handles like non-violent specific investigations into stuff like 100 percent yes what's that 100 percent. yes i do yeah so like not police force some other kind of investigative force that handles like fraud and uh theft and things like that yeah, I, 100%, I do. Because I, I don't think you need somebody to have the threat of violence. That, that's what, when a police officer, at least, I'm sorry, let me rewind. If you're a person that's, that's like me, if you're brown, all right, to be just 100% honest, when you see a police, police officer, the option of violence is always there, of losing your life is always there. So maybe to you or to people that, you know, aren't, aren't brown, it might not have occurred to them. But to me, the option of violence and me losing my life for any small infraction is always there. Um, when, if you send somebody else out to just come talk and do whatever, even for just like a traffic ticket, like yeah. why do I need an armed person to write me a ticket? Unless you want to sit there and say, Oh, if somebody writes me a ticket, I'm going to kill them. Get are, how like yeah. that. The, the I don't even no. understand that line of thinking. So the only <laughs> argument I would have would be that I would have to look at the numbers and see how many 
cases of like a car being pulled over does the highway patrolman or whatever get shot just like walking up to the car i'm pretty sure it's pretty low yeah well uh police deaths overall have been so incredibly low over the years that you can look up the look up the the graphs of it but it's like police officers are, are they are not getting shot or even violence being done towards them at any sorts of the levels that the the media or any other um they just it's not it's probably not what you think it is it, it's it the, yeah. it's been a downslope just like violence has been on a downslope for for many years and i think that the problem that a lot of police officers have and this is something that somebody i know personally said that his job um when he's out on patrol is to get home safe and i'm like that's not your job you're you're when i was a marine my job was not to get home safe my job was to get the mission done so and the mission yeah so uh and a police officer's as far as i'm a police officer's job in america is to protect and serve but if it but if your whole thing is i need to get home safe then you're going to use whatever means you need to get home safe and it's through uh egregious acts of violence which we have seen in america time and time again then that's what you're going to do and i think that mindset needs to change but let, let's also just remove them from that situation you know where if they think they might get in danger from a crazy person let's have somebody that is better equipped to deal with somebody that's having a mental health crisis and and deal with that and yeah like if you need to send a police officer because they're being violent then do that but i think the better we'd be better served as americans as the world in general to really have somebody that's better well equipped to deal with somebody that's having a mental health crisis because that's what most so people almost, are dealing with like a traffic going back to the highway patrol pullover thing you can almost create like a traffic enforcement or a driving enforcement force that has vehicles right and they're gonna pull people over they still have the lights and the sirens and all that other stuff but they wouldn't have the guns probably have like an, an asp in martial arts training to be able to like def- defend themselves in a situation that comes up yeah. at a car but as soon as it gets to where it might be a violent situation, like you radio the police, like, Hey, you guys need to come out to the situation. Cause I'm not equipped for this. And this went to that level. And I'm going to go ahead and stay back and be here in case you need me, but one more car kind of situation, but their primary role being, Hey, you're going too fast. You blew a stoplight. Like, Hey, you realize these are things for us to all keep each other safe. This is why these rules are in place. Let's enforce that still, but there's no need for, to assume violence and make it be the same people, like you said, where it's someone who was patrolling last week and is now handing out traffic tickets. Yes. And the problem told- that there's going to be somebody that's going to listen to this and be like, well, what if the person that is in the car, well, this is like the stupid strawman argument. What if they just pull out a gun and shoot the person that pulled them over? Well, it's like, well, it would not have said a police officer either with a gun. If literally, if they pulled somebody over, that was a police officer and the person that got pulled over just shoots the guy. Unless the police officer at all times is like has a, a, a gun on the person, even then, they can still get shot and die. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, y- you can't remove the risk from people. But what I can tell you, though, is that if you have somebody that is better trained to deal with actual people problems and, like, nonviolent crimes, I think we'll be better served as, you know, as a society. Because, like, it, like we just said we just keep throwing hammers at people like we're not all nails. We're, we're nuanced people. We could have had a bad day. We could have just spent on accident. Yeah. Write the ticket. If you need to write a ticket, even though I have problems with traffic, traffic tickets, but you know, write the ticket, but it, it shouldn't need to be where, you know, 
just because you think you saw some guy reach too fast for his pocket, then you got to fucking unload nine rounds into him. Because that's happened on video. But if you remove the gun from the situation, you're good. Okay, not a bad idea. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a radical idea, I guess. But I mean, we're we're we seem to be a podcast for pretty radical ideas. Let's put six thousand people in the House of Representatives. Yeah, <laughs> and to me, like when you first said it, you know, it seemed um, at first listen ridiculous. But when you broke it down, I understood what you're talking about. You know, and you definitely changed our mind on that. Um, and we- like. And I think that this is the same way where like, this is a lot like which your idea of, of really refining down what the job is, right. Of, of the police force, that specific task, that moniker, that name, the ones we give the guns to um, for the communities. And then the other tasks that they're doing, like, and the problem I see like initially, right. If it's me and you trying to solve this tomorrow is I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what that list of tasks is. What are the missions we're giving them all over the place that maybe you could go, yeah, we could move that one out and create a new group that does it. So that to me, it's the analysis that would need to be done, but it's not that hard. It's just work. Like someone yeah. could do that work. Seriously. I mean, like we, and, and obviously this is not like the, the be all end all solution. Cause I think that before what I'm talking about happens, there needs to be a whole lot of other work that needs to be done. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and the other work needs to do, needs to deal with like actually um, having proper funding for uh, mental health in America, actually dealing with the homeless crisis, actually dealing with, you know, uh, drug addiction in America, actually dealing with, you know, all these other, you know, various issues, dealing with poverty. All these things that I just said would have a serious impact on crime in America but the fact that in America we're not willing to deal with any of those issues um, at all, and then we just keep having these armed people um, try to deal with that, and and just to, and to have them deal with it from day to day, this is one of the things that I learned um, from uh, various police officers is that they don't even deal with police officers like the military. Like if me and you deployed we don't deploy for like that long, like maybe a, a year, maybe 18 months. That's a, that's a stretch. And that's a long one. That's a long one. All right. But we have people that are police officers or in law enforcement in general that are basically deployed for years at a time, years yeah. at a time. They get no breaks. They can, they can shoot somebody one day, be back on the beat within a couple of weeks. And it's just, uh, how, how is this even um, a viable solution for anything? It seems incredibly stupid that we're not giving the police officers the amount of time that they would need to deal with mental issues that that would come up with dealing with high stress situations on a daily basis, like somebody that would that is deployed would be. Yeah, and I think in a lot of cases, you know, again, TV shows and and the few cops that I know, like a lot of them say in those situations, like I just want to get back to doing the work because they feel like they're doing something important and helping the community. You know, it's like, I gotta get back out there and do stuff, but like, it's not that. Yeah. Consider that that person might not have the right mindset to like, if you want to get back out there and shoot more people, like that's maybe not the right person for this job because you're that person seeking glory and just, I want to do more. Like you, you need to do your fair share and take your time and deal with this and rotate to a different function. And maybe that's how those would work. They'd all be a part of, you know, a, a law enforcement structure 
but different functional things. And the police forces, like I said, has weapons. And you might be like, hey, you did have an incident. There was a good, it was a good, you know, you're perfectly within your rights and safe to do so. They say good shoot, they say, or whatever, you know, but we're going to put you in this other department for a while. No weapons. 100%. Do some other yeah. Help out, like, hey, get your head right. And then you can come back to it if we, you know, find it later. So there's totally a way to make it work. But like you said, those other problems are affecting their daily work um, could help the situation too. Yeah. And I, I like the, the rotating thing was actually a, an idea I had as well. Was like, yeah, doing like rotate them out, like I, to whatever other kind of line of work, and just to have them. Well, it's also like it's the militarization of the military because I'm sorry, the militarization of our law enforcement because these people, like I think we talked about it before, they, the the Grossman guy what was the guy's first name, something Grossman, Lee Grossman, mm-hmm. Mark, mm, the guy that did like the. The warrior training for the military for the law enforcement you mentioned his oh, book yeah. Um, yeah i know who you're talking about yeah like having the oh. warrior having the warrior mindset um yeah. listen dave dave grossman dave grossman there we go thank you if you're in law enforcement you're not a warrior you don't go to war if you think you're going to war it's against your own citizens you simple-minded fuck like <laughs> these are your citizens that you're supposed to be protecting and serving like yeah. And that's why I, I really don't like that whole, you know, we need to have more guns. We need to be like the military. No, you don't need to be like the military. You need to be peace officers. Like, I mean, but you have to admit there are certain segments of our society that is is very militant themselves, too. There's, you know, any any illicit thing that's going on. So, like, mob time frame would have happened. You know, now it's drug wars and, again, again we talk about you remove the drug thing from it they're going to find something else it'll be yeah. weapons itself you know it'll be just the trading of the weapons it'll be uh finding other drugs that aren't made legal or, or something but there are portions of the community that are going to be very violent and against it and and that's who they're at war with in order to protect the rest of the society and i think that's the way he pitches it and the way it's supposed to be um the problem is they don't wear uniforms you know like we don't know who those people are. It's hard. It's harder for the police force to decipher between the groups. And um, that's never going to change. That's not going to be a thing that can be fixed. Like we can't, I mean, some of them wear uniforms, but like, you know, what bandana they're wearing that day doesn't necessarily make it that much easier for a police officer. So. Yeah. And what you're talking about, like the, the mil- militarization of like part of the population. Like, I don't, I don't like that either. Like, I don't like it. When, like, when COVID-19 first happened and they were talking about, like, we need, we need to defeat the invisible enemy. Like, what the fuck are you... To me, I was like, what, what are you talking about? We need to cure the virus. Like, this is not... It's not a war. This is not a... Well, it's not a war. I don't like the way that America has, has been so military... And don't get me wrong. The military has its purpose. Obviously, I was in the military. Um, but to apply these military terms to these mundane things... Yeah. is not appropriate it's not appropriate at all we do have an unnatural habit in american society is to like to do that with stuff you like the war on this the war on that it's like the war on my waist right now is the one i'm dealing with you know? <laughs> yeah and i just and, and it's weird because I, I think for most the vast majority of the population they're just like oh it's just a thing you say but it's it's not just a thing you say the, these words have meaning yeah. when you say a war you know that that means things especially like when you know i've my brothers and sisters have died in wars 
and that we have a clear enemy. We're supposed to be the good guys, and to apply these terms to like these things that you can't actually fight with bullets or bombs or anything else. You know, I, I don't understand the usage of it. And, uh, you know, I think that the words... I'm not going to go so far as, like, to get on, like, a, the whole, like, gender pronoun thing. But yeah. words do matter on a certain level. And these are very serious terms when you talk about wars and warriors. Because that's a warrior is somebody that goes to war. But that's the definition. And I think, like... So... Yeah, it, Kind of sidebar, talked about it a couple times, but if we had a gender neutral third person pronoun in the English language, there'd be no problem. But that's all that's, yeah. that's an English problem because we don't have one. So there's no way for them to just be non specific and not care who it is we're talking about. What, hold on. Well, it's kind of weird though. So we sort of do. They're ones that they're people aren't comfortable with. Like if, if I called you or a female a fucker, you know, I was talking about them, right? Or if I, you know, there, there's other terms that we can use. Sorry, that was a vulgar one, but. Uh, there are terms that we do use that are gender neutral. Um, when it comes to like the whole gender neutral thing, um, I don't know anybody. I don't think I know anybody that is that is transgender. But if you tell me, you know, whatever your name is and whatever you'd like to be called, um, if you say something that I don't want to call you, like if you tell me I, I identify, if you tell me your name and you say um, I prefer my gender pronoun is Z or something like that. Like, I'm not going to call you Z. I'll call you by your name. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll call you just anytime I refer to you, it'll be by your name. And yeah, the uh, issue isn't, the issue isn't in interpersonal. Generally, right? It's, it's generally not like me and you talking when it becomes a problem. It's if I was writing an instruction book or I was writing a thing about a character and I don't actually care. It could be anyone you plug into it. Say we're going to play a game and it's like whoever the player of that game is needs to do X, Y, Z. We're having this conversation about how we're writing out the script on it or something for a game we're writing. Mm-hmm. I don't care who the player is. I don't want to say he. I don't want to say she. I can't. There's no word I can use for an individual, not the whole group, but that individual player that doesn't tell me a male or female. Yeah, well, and if you say you're talking about all of the players. I was going to say you could say it, but generally speaking, that's like, well, it, it could be what? Yeah, because English is weird. I got you on that one. We we broke our own freaking language on this particular topic. It's there's not a word for it. It's kind of frustrating. Well, there's there are words in other languages for like a for a third gender, but there's also like the whole gender thing. Like, I think the problem is in English and just in general when you start speaking about gender, it's easy to muddy the waters because if if you, for me, most generous specific names and stuff like that it gets tied to sexuality on some level and i don't care about that i don't care what you do to somebody else or what somebody else does to you i don't i really don't say again as long as you both agree yeah exactly as long as with consent i i i don't care and so you know if you tell me that you know you're whatever i'm just like what why why do i why do i care like I care about you as like, if I know you, you know, I care about you as a person. Um, and that's when it comes, that's when it becomes a little bit different. But when people are demanding these new gender pronouns, um, and it's just like, you can demand it all you want, but if I don't actually know you, these things are just abstract 
things. Like I don't, I can't put any sort of um, mental time into this where it's just like, yeah, like if we had a personal relationship, it'd be totally different, but you can't demand to me. So this, this is what I'm talking about. If I'm walking down the street and I see somebody who I perceive as a man or a woman and I call them the wrong thing and they get angry with me and they say, I'm this, this, that or whatever, what, what I didn't say to them. It's like, whoa, I don't actually fucking know you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you're assuming that I should know whatever you are demanding that I call you, but I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like, and it's another thing that I have a problem with when like, when we talk about like allies, holy shit, we're going way off topic. Anyway, when we talk about like allies for the LGBTQ plus community, like you can ask for allies all you want, but I don't understand how you can demand that I be an ally of you when I don't fucking know you. You could be a total piece of shit. You can be a, a lesbian that also believes that the Holocaust didn't ex- didn't exist. I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can't demand that I'm your ally when we have had no uh, personal relationship at all. So yeah, if after we've you know we became friends or whatever, then yeah, you know that that's that's way different. But you can't just demand that I'm your ally when I don't know shit about you. That's my own personal view. No, I mean, and it's not far from the way I look at it, where I don't think that my point of view, that the ally concept and that like, that like specific support for this thing or whatever, like needs to be addressed. If we said that if everyone was just treated with the same equal and fair opportunity to do whatever it is that they want to do, as long as they don't hurt anybody else. Yeah. No need for any of it. Right. If we go back to that one really basic fundamental concept, golden rule kind of thing where you're like, look, just, I don't care. Like if you're not hurting someone, be who you want to be, do whatever you want to do. But like to then expect me to do something else specifically for that, that's now you're expecting me to know or understand. And that's unrealistic. And I think the, like you said, the in-passing perception stuff is does get frustrating a little bit um, because there are, you know, there are norms. There are like things that we can expect when you look at a thing or or whatever and understand what it is. Like you show me a purple dot on the wall, I'm going to look at it and it's purple. But if I'm kind of partially colorblind and it's actually mostly red, I'm like, well, I didn't know that it was mauve and not taupe. Like I can't see that. I don't know. Yeah. So if it was 1972 and I had long hair and big earrings – you would think I was a female, but maybe I'm just a dude who like had, was the first guy who got his ears pierced because it wasn't really common in the 70s and having long hair. So it's like it, if you outside or you cho- especially if you choose like to look for an op- a different gender than you specifically are, but then want to still identify as your own. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So if- well, let me just just to like because um, people what we just said, especially me might have made people mad um Mm. i will always advocate and i will always vote for everybody to have equal rights everybody to have equal rights okay so i'm not trying to take anything away from anybody we should all have equal rights all right i'm just what i just wanted to say that because people might think that i'm some fucking weird homophobe or i'm against like trans people i'm not against any of that shit Uh, we all deserve equal rights yeah and that's, I guess my point on it was like, we shouldn't even need to be having no. <laughs> these advocacy conversations. Like I shouldn't have to be fighting for people's rights on to, to be who they want to be, but we do. 
Right. And I guess I didn't really follow up with that part of it where, yes, absolutely fight for those rights. You should have equality. Just don't think that you should get something more or something special than anybody else because you're special. We're all special. We all are individuals and we all deserve equal opportunities to do everything. But like, don't expect more than anybody else, I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think, well, that's got to be careful with that one too, though. Why? Well, because I'm thinking about like in California when people were talking about um, homosexual couples um, getting civil civil unions mm-hmm. and then people were saying they were getting special rights. But I'm like, no. <laughs> well, fuck. God damn it. I'm thinking about it because I actually had to go through the civil, the civil union thing. I actually wanted to get a civil union. So actually sort of, this is a terrible example. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm only saying this, look, anybody that they should be able to get married. All right. If you want to get married, you should be able to get married. And the reason why I kind of hesitated there is because in California, so I've been, this is my 10 year anniversary with my girlfriend being there for a fucking long time, longer than most people that I know that, that have been married. Let's <laughs> be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't want to get married ever again, ever again, but I do want to share my benefits with my, with my girlfriend. Um, but I can't because we're not married. So I was looking up a civil union. And so you can only get a civil union if you are uh, gay or you're over the, over the age of 65. It's the only hmm. time you can do it. So it, it's technically a special status for yeah. those two groups. But it's not it's not extra anything. It's just it's a special status for those two groups that I cannot as uh, a straight man acquire because they just expect you to do the legal process of marriage which is to them the same thing because you're young enough or something and marrying a woman which i'm which i'm not going to do so unless there's there's one special circumstance where i i would do it but it it's it's an extreme circumstance so yeah 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 so then it does feel like it's more right it should be fair and the same so either everybody should be able to do civil unions and it counts the same as a marriage or everybody can get married and they should have the same level of access without the additional restrictions. Cause it sounds like maybe there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that comes legally, especially with the title of marriage, right. Compared to civil union. Uh, it's, um, it's very similar, but they, they should have just the, the government fucked up on this one. They should have just made it marriage from the get go. They should not, there should have never been a civil union. I think that, the fact that it's two separate things is, is kind of stupid. I, I just want to share resources. That's all. I don't care what the fuck you call it. Um, I just want to, if, if you called it um, a dildo, I don't care. I would I would enter into a dildo with my girlfriend to share resources. <laughs> so, because I, I'm it, 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 it's mainly for, for me personally, it's, it's a, I just want to be able to share uh, my medical benefits. Um, and that, that's basically it. But, but I can't because my girlfriend she said three open heart surgeries. She's yeah. going to have to have another one before, she, you know, within probably the next 10, 20 years. It probably won't open heart anymore, but she's definitely going to have to have her, uh, a heart valve replaced. Um, and if she got sick and, you know, or her heart started failing on her and she had to lose her job and she lost her job because she couldn't work, then what am I, what am I supposed to do? I can't put her underneath my insurance because we're not married. But yeah. we've been together for over ten, for ten years. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, there should be something for you. Yeah. Wow. We went off topic again. We did. Sorry. It's interesting. I, I, I can guarantee you that people are listening to this. They probably got educated on what we just talked about because they probably had no idea about civil unions or, any, or benefits or anything like that. And that's what we're talking about. Like, see, I didn't know much about that, and you taught me something. So we're still we're still going back and forth. <laughs> but we all got to wrap it kind of soon, even though I didn't talk about everything I wanted to talk about. But it's it's okay. Let's find a way to. I mean, we keep finding ways to kind of shape stuff into the main topic. Um, so we'll, we'll still hit those topics. Just make sure to keep keep them so we can talk about them later. Yeah, I definitely am because I want to talk about um, other stuff about racism, and then the other stuff about what happened. Actually, we got a little bit of time. So, can you explain, you know about the 25th Amendment, right? Mm -hmm. Can you explain to the listeners what the 25th Amendment is and how it's applicable to uh, what happened well over the past couple of months, really? Yeah. So, it was primarily written in order to make it so that in the event that the president didn't specifically die, like, was incapacitated or um, was in a coma or something for an extended period of time, would be able to be like officially removed from that position so that the, the vice president could take over for however long that period took. Um, so it gave some flexibility to it basically like, Hey, y'all can make the determination of if you just need to um, have the vice president take over for either permanently or for a period of time based on the ability for the president to be able to do the job. So um, I'd have to double check. The determination is basically made by the cabinet um, and then ratified by the Senate. I'd have to double check, but I think that's how it works. Like you basically, we say, we all agree, and then we send it over and they go, yep, okay, we, we received your document. Um, they can ask for additional proof or whatever, send it back, but I don't think it would, it'd be one of those things like a confirmation. Um, they would still have to vote to decide. So, so if you were like in a situation where they didn't agree, you know, it's like uh, a Democratic Senate and and then the president is Republican. They, they may not ratify that, or maybe they would because they want to remove him. But it's a double-edged sword because you're just going to get the other Republican. So, I mean, <laughs> kind of. So in this case, um, they could, and you still have you know Mike Pence. So it's like they're both very much agree with each other on a lot of topics, but it's also for a very short period of time. But I think it would be, in this case, be more of a symbolic gesture, right? Like I think that's a big part of what a lot of people are talking about is just do it to show like this is not okay and we don't agree that the decisions you're making and the way that you're talking and the things that you're saying are the way that you're supposed to behave. So something's got to be going on. Um, I think in this case, because he seems to still maintain all of his faculties as far as being able to still uh, function, like it's primarily written for like, if they're in a coma, if, if still alive, that that portion was written for in a coma basically, or, or completely incapable of, of thinking or acting or talking and all of those things are still happening. I think you would have to have a doctor say that like specifically some kind of mental capacity is limited or something in order to really have it justified enough for the Senate to agree with you if the cabinet wanted to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been tossed around uh, more than a, more than a few times, especially recently. It, it was tossed around like months ago, really. And now it's just like it's ratcheting it up to to remove him from office only because um, when I heard it's like basically being unfit for office. That's maybe it's like an interpretation of the actual. Maybe I should actually look up what the actual words are for the twenty fifth. Uh, but 
I can do that while you talk. Yeah, but but yeah, that's one of the one of the main reasons why they they keep bringing it up is that an interpretation of it, if not the actual words, is if a president is unfit to uh, to serve his office, it's a uh, it is a avenue to remove that person from office. Uh, and what we've seen over the past couple of days, well, yesterday, really, is but really, it's like leading up from from months ago. You know, from President Trump, I'm sorry, Donald Trump, refusing to really denounce uh, white supremacy in America when he was talking about the Proud Boys to stand, stand back, stand by. Uh, when he used based when he had a, a rally yesterday, and he said after the rally, you know, he literally told his constituents to march down to the Capitol building and make sure that Mike Pence does his job and show strength. And then they showed their strength yesterday by storming the Capitol building and uh, and stopping the Electoral yeah. College from counting. So you you have the the actual amendment up. I do. It's really long. Oh, is it really long? <laughs> so um, and by really long, I mean it's probably uh, it wouldn't take that long. So the gist of it is that it would be this really big weird back and forth, right? So if the vice president. And a majority of either the principal officers, or executive departments, basically the, the, the cabinet, right? Um, they send the letter to the president pro temp. So send it to the, um, to the Senate saying is not able to discharge duties. All they have to do is say that, right? They doesn't have to say why. Then the vice president is now the president for however long of a period is necessary. And it ends whenever the president sends a letter to the president pro temp himself also saying, no longer any inability to be able to, to do my duties and I'm, I'm able to re resume or whatever, then it immediately switches back just based on the letter from the president. So then within four days of that letter arriving to the president pro temp, the cabinet and the vice president can again send a letter saying, no, still not able to. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah. You have four days basically to like, nope, no, 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 it's still not okay. Then it's basically decided by, by the house. Wow. Okay. And that's all, you know, democratic run right now. So yeah, it's all written in there. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty long. I was like, uh, trying yeah, to read sorry. it really fast. I know how long it was, but yeah, that's a, yeah, I think that there is some argument to be made to, to do it now only because of what, not only, but mainly because of what happened uh, yesterday. And the fact that the Donald Trump is still using the wrong words, uh, in response to what happened yesterday every single time i've seen him on tv or in tweets since the the attempted insurrection on on the capitol building he's always started with this is a fraudulent election i won the election or something to that matter and this is this is further inciting these terrorists to uh attempt to overthrow or to stop our democratic process um of just doing the work that the people voted them to do. And that's yeah. just terrorism. So the rereading or like reading the last little bit, I didn't finish as I tried to like quickly scan it. I think the biggest hiccup would be that kind of like back and forth that happens and the amount of time it would happen. So say tomorrow they decide they send it over and he responds quickly. And like the next day he sends a letter that says, no, I'm fine. I can still do my job. Right. And then they have four days, so probably wouldn't take as long if they were really serious about it. So say two days later. So we're now already halfway between now and inauguration day, basically, right? Yeah. Um, so then at that point, it goes to the House. 
or to Congress in general, right? It's, it's both, but it's going to start at the House. They technically have 21 days to decide. So at that point, we'd be beyond yeah, inauguration yeah. and everybody would just say, you know what, it's just, just leave it alone. Well, I think that would move with, uh, with some expediency, but I think one of the other main problems is is that even if you removed him from office, mm-hmm. uh, he still has a platform that he, he – I mean, Twitter removed him. They, they suspended his account for, for a while, and they removed, they removed some, some tweets, um, which is good, but he still has the ear of, like, OAN and sort of – I don't think Fox News basically disowned him at this point. Um, and, and Newsmax where he can still get on a platform and say whatever he wants. And I think that, uh, hmm, ah, fuck it. I'll say it cause I'm not a Marine anymore. I, I, I think that he should be more than just removed from the office. I think he needs to serve some, he needs to sit in timeout for a while, probably in a jail cell, um, because of what he incited. And I, I think that allowing this person to continue to incite the, his his um, his followers is a detriment to America. It, this is literally tearing America apart. I cannot believe that in my lifetime I, I've watched this happen. This is the country that I fought for, and to see these people um, mutate the the word patriot into these terrorist groups is incredibly sad and, and shameful to me because they don't even understand what being a patriot actually is. Like, you don't... Somebody said it probably better than me. I forget who, who it was. But you, you, don't, you don't teach patriotism. You don't, um, you don't tell somebody these are the things you do to, to become a patriot. What you do is you create a country in which you become a patriot because you believe so strongly in the strength of this country and what they can do for you and the world. That's how you become a patriot. It is not through these nefarious means of, you know, saying that if you don't do this, you're or some compulsory thing. Like th- that's not how it works. That's not how it's ever worked. Yeah. In, in our life, can you remember a moment where it seemed like everybody was super patriotic? 9-11. Yeah. Right after, right? Yeah. No one told everybody you need to put flags on your trucks or, but they were everywhere. It was, it was insane how, how, how that felt like it was scary. Right. And it was like, I was, I was in already. I you yeah. were too, right? Yeah. 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 So we're both already active duty. So you're like, I know what this means. And like, Oh my gosh, it's intense. And it kind of freaks you out. But like to also see how, how like resolved everybody got and how much it brought the whole nation together with a focus was kind of was crazy i mean and it's a totally different thing to like fake the funk you know and 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 rock the flags for because you think that the flag means that you stand for something in a different way so it's kind of frustrating for me to see that part of it um being used in a weird way yeah, I totally agree. Like, what, after 9-11 happened, like, the, the country came together. Like, it, it didn't last very long, but, you know, it, we, we came together for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, you know, yeah. and, and it was, it, it was, even though tragic events happened, um, I think that that's, it, it's really a, a watershed moment for American history because everybody was just like, yeah, let's come together and let's just, let's make things better. And you're not seeing that today. You're not like that. Those days are, are long and gone because we have been taught division from both sides. It's not just, you know, 
not just Donald Trump. All right, definitely he's he's a catalyst, a major catalyst to this. But um, the other side of it is that the people on the left have ignored um, poor white people for decades, if not longer. They've ignored all their their pleas for help. They've ignored their um, their struggles, and they decided to pander to uh, to a whole different subset of people. You know, um, because they thought that their needs are were more important than than their needs and that is a huge problem that i think that so when when president when donald trump first came up like i understood why he became so popular i understood Mm. that people were people were ignoring poor white people like if if you were working in a coal mine and you know was it nafta like they sent your job somewhere else or you're working in a factory and they sent your job somewhere else yeah you're gonna be fucking mad and the fact that no democrat was you know stepping up to the plate and helping you out that they were likely part of the problem of how they shipped your jobs overseas, then yeah, you're going to be angry. And then they're, they're not giving you the proper amount of benefits to, to sub to subsidize you losing your job. I totally get it. And for retraining you to another career and there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. This is why we can go back to UBI if you want, but mm, UBI, I'm just saying, <laughs> at least it gave you some time, you know, to, to, if you need to retrain, cause I, I actually don't believe, strongly at all in reach I, I i believe in some retraining but if you're going to tell a coal miner to become a coder you can take several seats <laughs> so yeah but i mean so like you should there, there should be options so a coal miner might not be able to be you know uh, a white hat but they could probably become a welder which is a task that's still a local job that's needed always like welding is not a thing we talked about the other day professional vocational type skills just offer up a vocational certificate like hey you can go learn a job you pick we don't care here's community college vocational certification certificates go get something don't care we'll pay for it but go get a a new trade because we forced this stuff to kind of go overseas and we knew that was going to happen because you know they do that when they make those decisions. Oh, yeah. This is what's the result of the decision we're making. What are we doing about those impacts? Nothing. That's not okay. <laughs> no, it's because they're you know a lot of those people that are making those decisions are getting kickbacks from the companies that they know are gonna um, are gonna yeah, profit sure. from the yeah. decisions that they made. So and that, that's a whole other problem. Is like how do you get corruption out of uh, out of the government and there are some decent ideas on how to do that i think i talked about before like the whole uh patriot dollars or whatever basically just giving everybody um a hundred dollars to give towards their candidate of choice and it could it could definitely wash out um a lot of this a lot of this money that corporations give to to candidates yeah some not all yeah that's what i'm saying like it helped fix some problem but i think um there's obviously more steps, but that's not a bad one to start with. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta start somewhere on on some level. All right, um, I was gonna ask a question. Do you know if anyone has ended the um, the war on terror? Are we still doing that? We're still doing it. Well, apparently, yeah. apparently, it ended yesterday. Because <laughs> well, because I was gonna say, because so does that mean we're still a nation at war? We've never we've been at war for the longest time, like since. So then the second part of the question would be, how do you define treason in the United States? Yeah. Um, it's against the person, right? It's, say that again? 
treason, unlike, you know, in many countries which had a monarchy or have a specific head, and a lot of the times treason was written as, like, when we decided to secede, right, it's, it was a treasonous act against the king himself, basically, right? Yeah. It's not how ours is written. So. It's not? Ours is, like, it's against the actual government, right? It's not against a specific person. The United States of America. Yes, that's why when I said treason on the you know, last podcast, that I was very serious about that. Because it was, it was treason so, against the government. <laughs> you talk about some kind of punishment for it. So, you know, punishment for treason during time of war? <laughs> yeah, it's death. Um, it is. Yeah, that's, people were asking me about that, like about like uh, sedition and treason and other things. I was like, these all these roads lead to death. Like, these are not um, light topics for, um, for people. I don't know why I keep hearing that noise. Um, I could tell if it was mine or yours. I don't know. No, I think, shit, it is mine. Um. Yeah, it's it's literally death, and it's not it's not going to happen, obviously, but it it's legally it can happen. So there is there is a an argument for a prosecutor should they have chosen to do so. Like you know, if it was law and order, you're like, oh, there's enough pieces here to put a kind of a story together, but it won't go. So they wouldn't take the case, right? Because they know they won't win. But, but I mean, people have been people have been set to death um, for lesser crimes. That they, yeah. people have been set to death for that were innocent. Well, yeah, lots of people, but yeah. not him, <laughs> and not someone who was a sitting president. So. Yeah, I, I honestly that that's what I. Those are my thoughts, not your thoughts. I I think that. Um, he has committed treason upon America by inciting violence against uh, members of Congress, against Congress as a whole, and even Mike Pence, you know, the, the sitting vice president. Yeah, I mean, that I'm not, I'm not mincing words at all. That's literally what he said. He told them to go march, march down there and show your strength, and that's literally what they did. To me that more than uh, meets the definition of treason was there was um there was a a line i read too that specifically mentioned by the president that the vice president could specifically like not certify stuff basically if he if yes. they just wanted to that was stated and then vice president was like no, I'm just going to do my ceremonial duties. <laughs> Basically, was that like the way the conversation went? Well, no, he, he wrote actually, well, he said that, but then he actually wrote a long letter that came out yesterday, earlier in the morning oh. yesterday. Uh, you, you can probably find it. It's on his Twitter page, on Mike Pence's Twitter yeah, page. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, I, you, was, I just kind of got a kick out of that. I was like, go Mike. That's kinda, <laughs> let me just, can we just finish this? Can we just be done? <laughs> yeah, like he, he was asking him to, to commit a federal crime. Yeah. And... Donald Trump's legal issues are going to start on January 21st. And I've said it for the longest time. Like, he, I don't think he's prepared for all of the, the mountains of shit that are going to come his way. And he keeps mm. piling on this mountain of shit. And these are just... And he's already talking about... He's talked about it for months now, about pardoning, pardoning himself. But I'm like, how can you pardon, pardon yourself from a crime that nobody is um, charging you for? Like, people are waiting on purpose because they know that you have the power of the presidency and you can pardon people. Maybe yourself, which is sort of fucking gray area, to me, super gray area, but 
but you definitely should not be able to pardon yourself from future crimes. Yeah, that'd be rude. Yeah, and it would set a terrible precedent in America if if he could just self-pardon himself from all crimes ever that he committed. Like that, I don't think people understand how dangerous that would be. That that basically be giving any any president ever the power to commit any crime that he wanted to and get away with it, or he or she wanted to, or per people wanted to, and get away with it. And that that is incredibly dangerous. And the people that are on his side that want to say that, it's like, well, okay, let's go down that line. What if you have a far left-leaning president that decided to uh, outlaw, I don't know, all Republicans? Let's just throw them all in jail. If it's a crime, who cares? I'll just pardon myself. That... These are, this is what can happen. It's, and that's why you can't, yeah, that definitely doesn't work because, and there's nothing specific to it. Like it has to be a specific pardoning of a previous crime or like you could pardon yourself. I could see if like you had a previous crime still on the books, you're like, let's go ahead and just take that one off the books. But like there were no charges. Really. Yeah. There's, there, there's none. I mean, there, there's people that are like in New York, they're, they're setting up all the, the, the dominoes. But they're not going to let those dominoes drop until after he's not president mm-hmm. anymore. Because I mean, that's just to me, it's a smart thing to do. Because just remove all this once he gets his presidential powers removed, then let it all come down. Like I, I want, I want him to be held accountable for what he's done to America and what he's done to the America that I that I love, that I'm mm-hmm. more and more on the side of leaving. Is he's destroyed it? He's destroyed uh, me feeling safe living here, and me feeling safe of my my daughter living here. Um, I don't feel safe here right now. I really don't. Nah, it's terrible. Cal- California is kind of okay, but once I once I travel the country, it's just like oh, it's it's kind of sketchy. You know, when I, when I drove back with my daughter from from Michigan to California. I was I went to through Montana and there's there was a place in in Montana where I, I'm wearing my mask and I walk in and literally on the door of the place it said don't wear a mask wear my mask inside because I'm not an idiot and they they were all looking at me so like I was an alien and I'm just like and of course they were they're all white people you know and I'm in Montana I was just like all right this is fucking super super sketch but. You know, I'm just trying to keep myself safe and you safe, really. The rest of you are there around me. And they were just looking at me like I didn't know what I was doing, that I shouldn't be there. It's just like, dude, like. Yeah. So is I don't know. I don't know how much I want to say it. So it's pretty funny, though, because like it's who it's who's a part of it. This this group, right, that's doing it is not so disconnected from it. To understand, like my wife saw what was going on with the story. She's actually the first one that told me because I was sitting in the car waiting for her to get out of the dentist's office. She walked in and saw it on like the TV inside the dentist's office. I was like, "Oh my god, did you see what's going on with this?" So then I started looking. Um, so she was raised in Southern Alabama, like she's country girl, and she was like, "These goddamn rednecks." <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was like, "You can say that because I'm not one." So it's it's you know, same thing. I would never say that about somebody, but. She's like, y'all making me look bad. <laughs> She's like, I can't understand why they do think that this is okay. I was like, yeah, they, babe, I don't know. And we can't even, in in a two hour conversation, come to an understanding of why does this make sense? It, it yeah, doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, well, 
It it doesn't, but it's just the problem is that these people are nearing the bottom. That's the problem is that they do not want to be at the. They don't want to be. They don't want to feel like a minority in America. That's mm-hmm. the, so they're gonna they're gonna go kicking and screaming when they could just make it better for everybody instead of kicking and screaming. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like if you're white in America, like you you're you're not going to be a majority for very much longer, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just hope that the people that are going to become the majority don't treat you like you treated us. Like that, that's the main thing that they don't really seem to understand is like we're, we, the, whoever's going to be the majority is not going to, they're not going to toss you in fucking cages. You know what I mean? They're just going to let you, they're likely going to let you live your, your normal life. It wouldn't be a, like a solo majority, right? But it still would be the largest percentage, I think. Yeah, it was probably going to be uh, wow. somebody of Latin, some Latin descent, you know. But they're they're not gonna they're not gonna do the way that white folks have done to minorities over the years because we're 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 trying to get past that, and we would like people's help to get past that. And um, I think that's I think it's fear. It's fear of them getting to the bottom, knowing that. In the mm. traditional system in America, whoever's at, the, whoever's at the bottom, like they, the bottom, there's a cage for everybody at the bottom. The cage is there. Wh- whoever fills it, it doesn't matter. As long as you're at the bottom, it's gonna get filled. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's terrible though. It's the scary way to put it. I think I've heard it said that way before, and I was probably really close to it several times. Yeah, and and they didn't care the, your skin tone, right? <laughs> your perceived skin tone like they didn't it doesn't matter like if you don't have the resources to fight your way out of that 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 system then you're you're fucked yeah anyway we'd have to wrap it up because we're, we're okay. approaching i didn't expect this to take three hours but this has now been three hours yeah we we have good conversations so we need to you know, hit the points we need to hit, but I think also we'll have to carry some stuff over to another time. But um, really appreciated the talk today. I think that um, I know we didn't stay on specifically a topic that was you kind of guiding me through learning something new as much as uh, was this was definitely a more, more interactive back and, back and forth for, for us today than, than we normally dealt with. Um, uh, so I think we're approaching the end here of Balanced Exchange for today. Did you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, no, I'm good. I just want to say, uh, I hope that America really remembers, uh, what the whole idea of America was supposed to be, um, from the get go. And yes, I understand that we started with slavery and all this other shit, but we also gained a whole bunch of other stuff here in America. That's awesome. All right. And it, it turned into a melting pot of, of, of different cultures and people. And we had this long time. Well, yeah, we had some snags but we kept progressing forward and over the past four years we've hit a snag and we're, we're starting to go backwards. So let's keep it going forward. And let's, let's, let's remember that we're all Americans. We all deserve the same amount of respect. We all have problems. Um, but let's come together as, as a country and remember we're all human beings. That's all I gotta say. I would say like it's definitely been a hardship, like you said, a, a moment where we're stumbling a bit. But um, my hope and, and what I kind of see us always doing is we, we do this from time to time in history. If you look to where 
hopefully we make this a moment to like rise above, you know, be better than this moment, like learn from it and get better. So that's, that's my hope too, is that we definitely take this struggle that we're going through trying to figure out how to get past this moment in our societal history and find a way to be better. So maybe this is what makes us do that, right? Like we've been waiting for quite a while for another big push forward and we haven't done it. We've been going forward, but sometimes you have to like stop, plant your feet and then jump, you know? So we needed, there are quite a few big changes. And I think we've talked about some that we have to do to fix some of the resets we did 60, 80 years ago. Um, which has been our last real big push forward, I think, of yeah. positive social movement, you know. Um, I think we've been kind of inching forward and eventually, like you said, stalling out, and we need a big jump forward in order to get going again. So, yeah. so I hope that this is kind of the trigger for that. Hopefully. That's that's my hope. All right, brother. All right. Thanks for the conversation, man. Later. Later.